You're listening to the General Geekery Podcast. And now, for the greatest rock and rollers in the land, the Average Joe Band! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there! G.I. Joe is there! G.I. Joe is there! It's G.I. Joe against Cobra, the enemy, fighting to save the day. He never gives up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. A real American hero, G.I. Joe is there! He'll never give up, he'll stay till the fight's won. Episode 16 of General Geekery, with you as always, I, well, most of the time, uh, is Brian, and always with me is JD. Yo, Joe. Yeah, because I guess I wasn't on the last episode, was I? Or no, um, I was, on, was not on the one before that. Well, yeah, you weren't on the one before it, but that's because you don't watch the West Wing, so What's the what West the hell Wing? good would you have been on that? Exactly, um, well, that's what, that's what the um, wife said, so. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 uh. Um, I uh, I hijacked the podcast for an episode to talk about the West Wing with a few other wing nuts. So wing nuts, um, clever. Um, hey, I didn't come up with it. God damn it! It's just what we are. Shut up, Trekkie. Um, oh wait, I am too. Never yeah. mind. And and Hoovian. Oh wait, me yeah, too. Yeah, you're gonna have a hard time um, finding an insult that doesn't insult yourself as well. Aside from like yeah. the Iron Whore, but you know, I earned that one too. Uh, well, you more than earned that one. Guys, he's got a whole room in his house dedicated to Iron Man. Not a whole room. So. I don't have a whole room. All right. Half the room. <laughs> and um, uh, JD is going to inter- guest, introduce our guests tonight. Yes. Welcome, Mike and Fred, of the brand spanking new video podcast, Just Another G.I. Joe Podcast. We, um, we stayed well, up all night coming up with that name. Um, yeah. Hey, I think it's fucking brilliant because yeah, no, like a it. it states exactly what your mission is, and it acknowledges that um, that you're not the first Joe podcast, but you're one of the few active ones. <clears throat> What's on your yeah. mind? Um, it's very funny you should mention that because when I started thinking about the you know doing the podcast, it was I started looking around you know different places for you know podcasts. And all the ones that were showing up on YouTube were not active after months, years. And I was like, wow. Now, Fred has told me that, you know, there are some people still doing um, Just Another Joe podcast. But from my understanding, it's being done overseas, I believe. Is that right, Fred? That's uh, that's, uh, G.I. Joe. That's uh, G.I. Joeberg. Okay. They are in South Africa, and they are one of the few active Joe podcasts. And yes, I do listen to them. Um, but South I was African, mostly no making kidding, huh? a dig at uh, Gary and Justin <laughs> because what the shit? I mean, I know that's not really their fault because it's not like Joe. It's not like GI Joe's been an active property in a while. Um, so you know they don't really have to do episodes very often. But I just remember a time when they were weekly, and. Uh, couple months ago i mean they've had a few episodes in the last couple months but 
sometimes in early fall they'll start this fantasy football thing, and I'll be like, well, I don't have to listen to that. So, <laughs> um, South Africa, really? Uh, yeah, wow, G.I. crazy. Yeah. yeah, they're they're uh, yeah they're based in South Africa, and I want to get them on the podcast at some point, but. Yeah, you know what? It was tough enough getting Julian in France on here. I don't even know if we could possibly contend with the time difference there. Yeah, the time so. difference isn't that far off, actually. I got a, a few buddies that live in South Africa that I worked with. Oh, hey, maybe we should work on that then. Anyways, oh. hey folks, welcome to General Geekery. This is probably going to be an all GI Joe episode because, well, I think we stated the obvious. Yeah, I think they <laughs> came across. And, I was, uh, and uh, Fred and I were reminiscing about the 2006 G.I. Joe convention in New Orleans where I was talking to some of the guys from Hasbro, like Dwight Stahl and Daryl DePriest, and I was showing off the, the G.I. Joe Eco Warriors tattoo that I've got. Um, Probably unique in the fandom for being oh, yeah, the totally. only Eco Warriors tattoo. Uh, I, I don't, I, I, somebody came up and they're like, I heard, I, I heard that. Uh, I heard that somebody had an Eco Warriors tattoo. Is that you? I'm like, yep. They're like, wow, that's 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 true dedication. I'm like, yep. I'm a nerd and proud of it. So um, <laughs> that's okay. I got about three or four Transformer ones. So yeah, uh, I don't have a Transformers one yet. Um, surprisingly, <laughs> I don't have an Iron Man tattoo. Yes, yet. the keyword. Um, uh, yeah, Brian, I'm surprised you don't have an Iron Man tattoo because. Uh, seriously. Um, uh, but, I mean, I've got, let's see, i got tattoos from Star Wars and, uh, and, uh, Deadpool on my arm. Yes, Fred, I knew you'd appreciate that. Um, I've got the, uh, I've got the Lonely Mountain from The Hobbit. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, no, uh, no Doctor Who yet and no, and no Autobots yet, so... Um, Autobots. What, You're saving really? that backspace for the Taurus, right? The what? The tor- what are they called? Terrace or whatever the phone booth? Oh, Tardis. Oh, the Tardis. Um, Tardis. Um, yeah, no, actually, uh, I'm going to get that on my leg at some point. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, yeah, because I got the, yes, folks. For the 19 of you that listen to this show, yes, I have the G.I. Joe Eco Warriors wrapped around my bicep. Um, it's sexy, let me tell you. I've seen it in person and just got me all randy. Um, well, that's, that's more fucking information than we needed. Uh, and, folks, that's been General Geekery, episode 16. Uh, it might be a while until you hear 17. Um, because what the fuck? Um... So, Fred, Mike, tell us about yourself. Well, it's kind of, um, I don't know, I guess I can start off with where I started out was, um, of course, like anybody, I was just a fan of conventions, podcasts, all kinds of stuff, and I was given the opportunity on, um, it's called the uh, G1 Hexatron channel on YouTube to uh, start up a new podcast called uh, Galactic Gumbo, which is every other Saturday at night, uh, 8.30 Central Standard Time. And uh, we um, it's an all-topic show where we'll, we'll just get on a rant or topic about something, 
it can either last five minutes, it can last the whole damn show. <laughs> and then after um, he was having some problems on his other podcast, he lost a couple of guys. And I just said, hey, you need an extra hand or an extra mouth to, to yak with? I said, I'll be more than happy to do it. And then um, he put me on his other podcast the same night, which comes on earlier, called uh, Cybercast, which is usually the all-Transformer podcasts and news and uh, action figures. And um, so then he made well, me official. With a name like that, that's exactly what I'd imagine it to be. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But uh, we, um, he put me on that podcast, and then, you know, I, I told myself that, you know, I always wanted to dabble with this. You know, I've always wanted to, to take a next step up. Know, next step up and now my next step up from doing the Joe podcast is talking Pete Sinclair a fun publication to let me and Fred be on a panel at JoeCon within the next two years if Fred can make it. Nice. Oh, nice. Or just me or, or just me and we'll video chat in Fred. I don't know. We'll figure something out. I mean uh, that's my goal. But you know it's funny because uh, Brian and I we've said that at some point on this show because you know we cover a big range of geek topics, and uh, we've talked plenty of Transformers on the show, but what I wanted to do, God, since we launched it, was because I wanted to do uh, no, an all-Transformers sort of spotlight. Well, I was just going to say, it sounds like we found our guys to do a Transformer. Yeah, because right? we haven't done it simply because um, everybody's refused. what I need <laughs> is, uh, is a couple of Transformers experts on it, because... I mean, Brian and I, we're fans, but I mean, when it comes to trivia knowledge, I mean, I might qualify as a novice, um, but um, I've, honestly, I've had trouble getting people from the Transformers community that, you know, that I'm part of on Facebook. I've had trouble finding people that would step up and and uh, podcast with us because then... Some of them are people that are on other podcasts, so I'm like, well, that's weird, but yeah, <laughs> I haven't. what that is. Um, yeah, so I haven't had any luck, so <laughs> I think we might have found our our Transformers guest, though, because, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I mean we, it's just something I enjoy, you know, I mean, and like I said earlier, you know, when, we, when I started looking, even I knew I wanted to do a Joe podcast, and then I didn't find, you know, something that was a steady thing going, you know what I'm saying, like a, uh, every two weeks or once a month, you know, we're looking at once every year and a half to two years, you know, <laughs> now granted, granted now, we, me and Fred even talked about it on the, the first episode was that, you know, even though we did that one episode, that's the only episode we'll do this year. Well, you know, so this is kind of a weird time to, you know, for yes. a podcast, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, active shows that I listen to, uh, you know, that, that sort of, um, you know, between like the second week of December and like January 1st, a lot of podcasts go dark because, you know, a lot of, you know, people, you know, they got holiday obligations and stuff, you know, even if they're, uh, even if they're at work, um, I mean, I mean, or people at work or commute, those are mostly the people that listen to the podcast. I mean, you're not, at this time of the year, you're not going to get a whole lot of people that are home and, at, and you know, just listening to podcasts. So, 
Um, and the other thing with us was we looked at our what the schedule would have been, and it would have been like, hmm, do people want to spend Christmas Eve with their families or listen to two middle-aged guys rant about toys? I'm uh, going well, two middle-aged guys ranting about toys if we're talking about my father's side of the family. <laughs> if we're talking about my mother's or my wife's side of the family, yeah, I'm going to flip a coin. <laughs> Come on, Tails. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Brian's, uh, he's married to the perfect geek girl because she's a, she's, she's a huge Ninja Turtles fan and she's a huge Doctor Who fan. And I'm actually surprised we haven't heard any comments from her in the background so far on this episode. Hey, I figure she must be working. I'm being um, good this time around. Don't, oh, don't there, tempt she, there she is. Oh. You speak and there she is. It's, there she is. You should, you should just assume that I'm always lurking in the background. And hi, uh. Joshua. Uh, all right, we're not going to start that shit again. Yeah, we are. Ah. Um, no, we're really we're really not. Okay, um, okay, never mind. Um, uh, yeah, yep, see, just, just testing. Because, um, uh... <laughs> Um, but so how, uh, all right. So Mike, your podcast was your idea. So, um, how did you, uh, like, how did Fred, um, how did I recruit him? Yeah. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I used chocolate covered strawberries and Ooh. red roses. Uh, it was compromising pictures from a previous Joe con and I refused to comment any further without my attorney. Uh, wow, good choice. <laughs> in any of those pictures. <laughs> Possibly in a raptor costume from 2006 New Orleans. Oh, there man. you go. That was, that was one fucking impressive costume. I remember he showed up at the pirate bar after the <laughs> show wearing the raptor costume. You know, I mean, Brian, it's it's almost hard to describe it without saying it was completely action figure accurate. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting um, a picture here. I was... I was escorting him down Bourbon Street as we were trying to keep up with the group of friends of ours. And what ended up happening was one group got further and further ahead. Kavanaugh got further and further behind because everybody (laughs) on Bourbon Street wanted to take pictures with the shirtless bird guy. Well, and it's funny because he was far from the only shirtless guy on Bourbon Street. He was the only one that had bird feathers on. Exactly. Um, that's, so, that seems kind of unusual for Bourbon Street not to have well, more half-naked guys wearing say, feathers. I mean, I'll say the weird thing is, on Bourbon Street, even on Bourbon Street, he managed to stand out. So that takes uh, effort. I mean that that's that's a that's a hell of a thing. Because um, uh, man, you got to do you got to do some some uh, drastic crazy shit to. Uh, uh, to really qualify as groundbreaking on uh, that street, or most of the French Quarter, for that matter. Yeah, um, agreed. And well, that was uh, just the beginning of James's legacy. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I think that was. Uh, I think that was early in his career. Um, that was costume number two, if I remember, because I want to say he was Crystal Ball. Yeah, in I was going to say. I was going to say. I think when. Uh, I think when I met him on the boards, I think his picture was still him wearing the, the crystal ball costume. So funny um, story about that. James never had an avatar until after uh, 2005. 
he never did. And over at JBL, I kind of abused my privilege as an admin and actually <laughs> gave him his first avatar because he always we always joked what happened to Joe Con stayed at Joe Con, but that picture of him was too good where he was just in full on crystal ball card art pose. Nice. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, he's had. God, he's had how many costumes? I mean, he was Pythona one year. Um, um, it was brilliant. And, uh, and then he was, uh, oh yeah, bodysuit and everything. Um, uh, and he was, see? He was uh, uh, transforming Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe the movie the one year. Oh, oh that's right. Um, where, oh, where he had a fake roadblock torso. Um, <laughs> was he... Uh, did he ever do Crockmaster? No, but he did do Crimson Crystal Ball in 2009, so he could to keep up with the Crimson theme. So he brought a costume back and then just did it in red colors, much like fun publications. Uh, I was going to say, that might be one of the few variations on Crystal Ball that, that I don't think that even Brian Kaufman has. Because um, <laughs> uh, I've seen, uh, I've met Brian a couple times at, few different things and and uh, usually he'll bring the crystal ball collection with him and you know it's you know because the army builds crystal ball figures but you know he's got the he's got the the random customs of crystal ball and uh i don't recall ever seeing a crimson one that's funny um uh yeah so basically he was the repaint crystal ball sweet um but uh yeah new orleans that was that was good times um yeah, yeah, because there was this this pirate bar, uh, this haunted pirate bar on Bourbon <laughs> Street. Uh, the building goes back, I think they said it goes back to like the 1700s or so. It's one of the, I think the establishments that, that has uh, has actually survived the many times that New Orleans has been burned to the ground. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so it was, well, that was a hell of a hangout. That was, That's that you was never good times. Down the bar. Um, that well, yeah, but but somehow uh, everything else burns, but not the bars, huh? and that's weird because alcohol is flammable. So, um, but yeah, the uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, because I used to I used to go to the Canadian Joe convention, uh, but uh, well, that's not around anymore. So yeah, because I met Brian a couple times there, and I met James one of those years. So, um, but that just that got to be too much of a logistical nightmare for for uh, for Mike to keep trying to to do every year because uh, you know for a while he was having trouble finding venues and then well cause it, it was a Canadian Joe meet for the first few years where it'd just be local collectors and you know whoever happened to happen by and then at some point it got to be so big uh, that he decided to turn it into a convention and that went for a few years and then. I think, uh, yeah. I think when you're just a couple people working on on an undertaking like that, I can't imagine what a headache and stress and uh, and and what a stressful thing that would be. So, but yeah, good times. Yeah, I'm sorry, um, I never made it to the Canadian con. Uh, well, um, yeah, yeah, it was good stuff, and it, it would have been nice if he could have kept it going, but. I don't know. Uh, nobody, uh, 
I'd never fault anybody for for eventually turning, throwing in the towel and saying, you know what, <laughs> this is just, you know, it's just not it's worth it too, anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I mean, it. Well, part of the thing is, you know, they like to have uh, exclusives that they'd make, and uh, a lot of times it was overstock stuff at at uh, you know at the stores there, and you know they'd customize it, make something completely new out of it. You know, people would want to own. And uh, I think one of their early on problems was after the uh, after Rise of Cobra, which they shipped a ton of merchandise all over the world for. Uh, after that, the stores up there really they weren't getting the follow up stuff. So, yeah. and we know because Julian in France said the same thing. All the stores in France uh, and most of Europe, you know, they 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 stocked. Uh, they stockpiled Rise of Cobra, and when it you know, when it disappeared, I think the stores even there, yeah, they just they stopped getting the newer stuff. So there was no overstock left, and then you know he had trouble finding venues, and he had trouble finding help, and it got to be expensive. And uh, so yeah, it just I don't know. I guess it just became overwhelming. And but I figured these people that tried to start their own conventions up in these meets. More power to them. Uh, yeah, we got a local guy here that uh, does a, a toy convention uh, a couple times a year, and he's just been able to keep he's been able to keep it free for the first uh, couple of years. But uh, this last a uh, couple of weeks ago, I forgot it was this that weekend, so I didn't go. But he he had to finally start charging admission. Just to cover costs. It's actually stuff. funny you should bring that up because I, here in Arkansas, nine years ago, I took over doing a convention. At the time, it was called uh, the Comic Book Cult, but because of the guy owning the name, he asked me to change it, and I changed it to a Little Rock Comic Con. And um, when I took over doing it, I moved it to a basement of a bowling alley. And my max attendance was like 150 people. Now I ran out a 25,000 square foot building, and our last attendance was close to 3,000. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. And that's that's how the toy convention has gone. I mean they they eventually they had to put it somewhere bigger. I went uh, we went earlier right. this year. Um, they and yeah, it was in a completely different venue. They've been able to hold it in like the lobby of a hotel the past couple of years and. Now it's now they had to get a convention center to put it in. See, and I moved to a hotel in the convention center where I'm at now. When I originally started, I only charged three dollars a head to get in. Now I have to charge ten dollars a head to get in. Also, the vendors were only paying twenty five bucks a table. Now, as of this year coming up, up in, you know I have a, a price bracket. You know, each yeah, every yeah. sixty days it goes up, and and right now it's uh for a ten by ten booth with three tables is two hundred dollars, and it'll go up to as much as two seventy five by the time my show comes around in May, and we started bringing in you know special guests. So two years ago, I brought in my first guest was uh, David Kay, who voiced uh, Beast Wars Megatron. And uh, yes. Michael and uh, <laughs> and uh, Michael McConaughey, who did G One Tracks and Cosmos, which I I met both of them previously at Bacons, 
became super, super good friends with David Kay. He's a great individual. He's, we talk all the time, you know, and that worked out great. You know, we had a little, you had a good reaction to it, but not the best. Then this year in May, we had four special guests. We had uh, Steve Cardenas, Catherine Sutherland, and Nakia Burris, all from uh, Power Rangers. Nice. And then we had Samantha Newark from Jim and the Holograms, who were our main draw. And then uh, another, I had a, uh, one artist, uh, or I have a lot of artists, but the big name artist I brought in was Robbie Musso, who uh, he actually lives down in Louisiana, and he got... Uh, he does some IDW work, you know, Ultron, Transformers, Collector Club stuff. And um, for this year now, or this coming up year in May, we booked Johnny Youngbosch, who did the Mighty Morphin Black Ranger. And then he was in Turbo, and then he was in Zeo. And then we've also booked um, Gary Chalk, who was a Beast Wars uh, Optimus Prime. And then he did the Optimus Prime throughout the Unicron trilogy on TV. And, then, of course, he's done his criteria. Stuff he has done is just beyond words the man has done. You'd be amazed on the TV shows and movies he was in you probably never knew he was in. Including, and, uh, if I remember, G.I. Joe Extreme? Correct. He did do a G.I. Joe. Um, the one thing that I saw him in that blew my mind, was that I am a huge The Christmas Story movie with Ralphie, you know, and the Red yeah. Rider BB oh, yeah. gun. They made a sequel to that movie a few years ago. Yeah. And, I, of course, I didn't agree with it at all. But I was watching it, you know, because I wanted to see it. Didn't really care for it too much. But when it gets to the scene with Santa Claus, he starts talking. And I start listening. And I'm like, that damn Santa Claus sounds like Optimus Primal. And come to find out in the credits, it was Gary Chalk. He was playing the Santa Claus in the movie. I mean, he played in TV's Alcatraz that didn't last but a season. He was in two episodes here just recently of Arrow. I mean, he he was oh, playing wait, Supernatural. What? Yeah, what Arrow. What play on Arrow? Uh, looks um, like he played Colonel Walker, it looks like, in yes. an episode. Yeah, he framed Diggle in uh, getting him... Oh. And while he was in the service, very you know, just a few minutes is all it was. But, I mean, I think it's part of that flashpoint, so it'll probably never exist once they fix it. Uh, well, I was going to say, I think he was on the island. Um, he was. Uh, oh wow, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, but, I mean, he's got he's got so much going on; it's just unreal, you know. And uh, we're talking, and uh, and I've actually been texting back with uh, Robbie here just recently, just a little bit ago. Uh, he plans on coming back again for the show. And then, um, I don't know if y'all heard of this guy. His name's, um, his name's Paul Reinhardt, but he goes by Optibotamus. He's a YouTube reviewer. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not, but he does uh, a, lot of, a lot of toy reviews. He loves Iron Man, so I figured you should know about it. No, actually, I don't. Yeah, he's a YouTube under uh, Optibotamus rule. Uh, again, he's a real good friend of mine, and uh, he's been. He, yeah, I, I kept telling him that you know, if he went to his first convention um, a few months ago in Kansas, and then when I talked to him about doing my show, he was like, "Well, I just don't think I have that big of a draw." And I told him, "Like, dude, you need to look at your 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 followers. I mean, you've got a huge following. I mean, 
far as excuse me, the thousands of people who follow him on YouTube, I mean, he, is, he has a good following, and I try to explain to him about it. And so I'm, dra I'm dragging him out here for it, and, you know, to show him that he can, you know, he can make a name for himself bigger by getting out to these shows and things. But, I mean, now the show has paid off, you know, over the years for myself personally. You know, but I mean, the only thing that gets me is like, you know, people who want to do their own shows. And when I started this nine years ago, I was the only guy doing it. Right. Now, every swinging dick wants to do his own show. Yeah, that's the problem we've got here in Colorado. I mean, there was one, there's one sci-fi convention that's been around a long time, and they can sometimes draw some decent names, but sometimes not. And then Denver Comic Con came along about five years ago and then just blew everything out of the water. And, you know, it's like the third largest Comic Con in the country now. And everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. And there's like 15 Comic Cons a year in Colorado isn't, now. Isn't it crazy, though? It just blows my mind. I mean, the people who are putting these on, you know, I mean, we're even getting a damn furries convention in January. I can't Ugh. stand them bastards. I can't either. They give me the creeps. My wife thinks that's the most hilarious thing she's ever seen. She'll, like, go out of her way at the conventions to say, Look, honey, there's some friends for you. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah, but like I said, there you know, there's only, like, maybe two other shows in Arkansas that, that carry a decent following like mine has. But then you got Joe Blow starts his show this March, you know, and then it's just, you know, and I mean, I almost decided to cancel my show for 2017 because I was like, man, there's just too many of them, you know. And then there's another one who hasn't even scheduled his yet because he's a he don't know when to schedule it for because you don't know who's going to pop their show up next, right? You know, so I mean, like I said, you know, these people will eventually. Once they sunk enough money in and lost all the money, because they're they're not going they're not going in small and working their way up, they're going all in and hoping it's going to pay off. Go big or go home. Or I don't, huh? Right. Well, well, true. But I mean, I mean, if, you know, look at some of the shows in the nation that have gone belly up. Like, um, did you ever hear of a Slagacon? It was up there in. Um, Indiana, I think it was a, it was an all transformer based convention. He went all big first year. He tried to have a, a huge exclusive made for the show, like an, an apex armor for a transformer. It was add on armor. Nice. He lost his ass, went bankrupt. Oh, I mean, man. it was all said and done. You, you just can't. I mean, if you got if you have an limited amount of money that you don't mind pissing in the wind, more power to you. But when you're you know, like me personally, mine goes to start over. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mine, right. I start over every year from scratch. You know, my dealers pay for my room. That's paid for well in advance. I don't have to worry about that nor the tables. So once that door opens, all I got to worry about is making my money at the door. And my money at my door pays my difference on my guarantees if my my guests don't hit their guarantees, which is what it did. My show last year, I was in double, you know, I don't know what digits you would say, you know, it was double digits, more than, you know, thousands up there, up there for thousands, you know. You know, it was close to 20 is what I made on it. 
And see, I, I think that's definitely one of the things, because I saw so many people bitching about, oh, this has been free all these, you know, for the last couple of years, why do I need to pay five bucks for it now? It's like, I don't think people understand what goes on behind a convention and how much it actually costs to put one of these damn things on. And, you know, it's not like you're going to Tahiti on the money you make from this convention. You're just keeping the doors open. Exactly. See, when, like now we're on at the events, or like I said, you know, like they tell me that it's going to cost X, you know, thousands of dollars, you know, which isn't like you know, eight or nine or ten. We're talking five or less where I go. So that tells me how I can divide up my space and how I'm going to make the money off of that. You know, I've had people hounding me the past two weeks to start paying now. So I was like, I was going to wait until the holidays before I took people's money. So they wanted to give it to me now, so I took it. So it was like, you know, they're paying, you know, like right now I've already collected $2,000 in table rent in two weeks. So, I mean, that's probably at least half my pay, you know, half over half, a little over half of what I owe on this building, you know. And so, you know, granted, I'll probably make some extra money, but then I could take that extra money and put it towards something else. Right. Like, like I want to do this year, I want to try to do a, a VIP party at Dave and Buster's. Nice. So if I get the extra money, then I can rent the room at David Buster's now, right. and then pay the rest of it all when we get to the show, after the show happens, because I'll have that cash from the show. See, I, I kind of, I guess, play, you know, Rob Peter to pay Paul. Yes. I guess you'd say, is the way it sounds when I, it comes out of my mouth. But you know. Every, everything pays for itself. That's all I care about. I don't want a penny to come out of my pocket well, because if it enough. does, then then you're not then you're just do, you're doing it wrong. Right. That's just how it is. Period. And I want to be able to give you know the experience. You know, I'm the only one in Arkansas bringing in these these kind of guests. You know, people we grew up in our childhood. Now, Grant, another convention, they brought in some people off of um, not SG one. What was this? Battlestar Galactica, the older series, I guess. They brought in a couple of the old-timers from that, and then they brought in um, uh, Michelle Nichols from Star ah, Trek. Yes. But, but what's funny was, was that one convention did it in July, and then three months later, another convention brought her right back, and they were charging three times the amount of money oh. to get into their show. See what I'm saying? It's that's what that's what it kind of boils my blood in a way. It really irritates me. I try not to let it make me mad, but it just it just pisses me off because I'm like, I think to myself sometimes I'm like, who the hell do you think you are trying to you know come in on after what I've been like? I'm grandfather here, right. and all you little bastards are like my grandchildren. Exactly. <laughs> Get off my damn lawn. What I'm talking about. It, it really irritates me, but then you know, you know, for the longest it was just me and my wife doing it, you know, and that was it. You know, we just did cash. Now we're doing credit cards at the door. We got an ATM at the door. We have online sales now. You know, we've we've gone so far up. I, I even got an Instagram account to, to get stuff more going up. I'm having to rely on other people to do other things. Because there's so much going on, I can't do all of it. 
I can't be in charge of the volunteers and check on my dealers and check and make sure my special guests are taken care of. I just can't physically do it. That's why you do Damien's. And, well, last year I dabbled in that a little bit. This year I have a lady who's going to take over all the volunteers. She's going to deal with all of that. I have another guy who, who helped me out last year who's going to deal with a special guest. I just make sure that they sign their paper when they get off their plane, they're happy with their hotel room, and that they get everything that we agreed in the contract. And then I'll go by and check on them and say hi, you know, and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I, like, now some of these guests have told me that they've gone to shows and the, they never see the promoter. You know, I'm like, no, I mean, I want to sit here and basically not really kiss your ass, but I want you to know that I care so that when I ask some of your co-workers to come to my show and they say, oh, hey, didn't you go to this show? What would you think? You don't want that person to say, oh, he's a total dick. He didn't do nothing for me. Like Steve Cardenas, take this for example. The, he, you know, he was the Red Mighty Morphin Power, second one. And he did my show a couple months later. He did a show down in, um, it was down in Texas. I don't know which city it was. But apparently, he stiffed Steve on the rest of his guarantee. So, what does Steve do? He goes to Facebook and bashes the guy. Then all you guys, all these thousands of people, they kind of find out this guy has a history of it. Uh. He's been screwing vendors up to know. He's been screwing not only the dealers, but artists, and special guests. You know, he gives people like me a bad name. You know, that's just the way you look at it. I mean, but I mean, like I said, I, mean, I might bitch about it a little, but I love it. I mean, I enjoy it when I do to get to do it. Even though, you know, Grant, we were one, we were just a one day show. That was it. Now we're two days, and it, you know it. I enjoy it. I mean, if you ever get the opportunity in a state that doesn't have any, then you know you should definitely do it. I mean, you know, if you got one every month or every other month you might as well not try it because that's right. just too much going on uh, I'm not even slightly organized enough for that Brian and I will text each other and say fuck I just lost the head that I was using for that custom happens all the time <laughs> yeah I mean um, I've, there's a, I've got a guy up in Denver that wants me to be part of uh, help put together a, a custom convention and I'm like yeah you know let me know how that goes and I'll like show up but I'm not really I'll say yeah show up as a guest but uh, running it eh, no. yeah it's kind of like just running the one big ass custom class isn't it yeah pretty much that's because I don't really sell my customs very much I don't you know I take commissions on rare occasions but so yeah most of what I would probably be doing is just teaching so and I don't have a problem like that I like teaching stuff but uh, uh well he just taught for me, me to, to take paint my digital camouflage just for me to for me to take my stuff and show it and say no you can't have any of it seems kind of rude i was gonna say um since you do a lot of customs me and fred uh, i believe we talked about it off air when we did the podcast that um, on Cybercast, we do like a collection spotlight where people send a picture of their collection. Yes. And I thought about doing the same thing for the Joe one. But oh. then, I, you know, Fred had kind of mentioned, you know, or maybe custom 
spot, you know, spotlight. Oh yeah, I'd so love to thinking. take part of that. So maybe you know, once we get a little closer, you know, to our next show, I can let y'all know if you want to send in like you know your customs, you know, your custom collection of customs. We can spotlight that on the uh, podcast. Oh, cool. I think that because like Fred brought that up, it was a really good idea. You know, because I was like, I want, I don't want to. I'm not saying I want to rip off. You know, Josh that does Cybercast. I'm not trying to. But it's kind of like, I kind of want to use the ideas, but don't want to step on his toes at the same beat. So that's why I was like, well, we'd be different. We'd be doing customs. Where yeah, he does, a... we get collections. We get people who send in their actual collections. And well, it's not the... like, you know, the Joe community doesn't have an awesome precedent for customization. Cough, Joe Customs. Um, <laughs> you know, in the fact there more that, times than I as the one person here who probably doesn't customize... Um, I have still spent hours and probably, well, over the years, probably weeks worth of time just perusing the work that other people have done. Because, you know, really, especially back in the O-ring days, I mean, people could just go right. nuts without having to crack open a, a glued torso and right. come up with these amazing, I mean, just outright amazing combinations of things where, you know... One person will look at a figure and they'll see chuckles, and someone else will go, "Ah, but if we switch this around, I got Michael Knight from Knight Rider." Right. It's like, what? <laughs> what sorcery is this? How are you even That's doing amazing. this? Well, with any luck, right. I'll have my first custom box set done here pretty soon. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, we're like I said with the podcast. You know, we're. I mean, you know, you had asked me earlier how you know how I got Fred, and it was kind of like. You know, I looked through a lot of different sources, you know, like uh, Hiss and, you know, really Facebook, to be more honest with you, you know, and and I've been following, you know, Fred on uh, Joe Battleline for quite a while, and and after, even after we did the podcast and we talked, and I think, you know, I, honestly, Fred, I was actually telling my wife this just the other day, I was like, you know, he has so much knowledge of a lot of stuff that he was able just to shout off at the top of his, you know, just go, go, go. He knew Rob Top did more stuff than I did when we were doing the show. And I'm like, I couldn't have found a better co-host with me because he knows his shit. See, that's and why I, I get... a lot more than I did. Yeah, that's what I got I JD so for. snowed him. <laughs> that's what I got JD for. JD, what's, um, what's Torpedo's file name? Brian Lailahola. Thank you. See, that's what I got JD for. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can, I can tell you most of the, most of the file names, up through, uh, probably about nineteen ninety two. I was gonna guess roughly. 91, but, all right. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah. Oh God, oh God. This was probably four or five years ago. He. Sent me a text and and uh, he I think he asked me uh, um I think he asked me what um he asked me what lift uh no um one of the pilots um yeah he asked me what the what the file name was and uh I texted him back like I don't know fifteen. 
20 seconds later. He's like, you didn't even have to look that up, did you? I'm like, nope. Um, <laughs> wait, it was... Son of a bitch. Um, I don't remember now. I think... I think Son of a Bitch was a cancelled figure from about... <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, you can usually... It, and that was... You can find the bootleg of that on uh, eBay sometimes. <laughs> it's really expensive, though. Um, I've gotten the... I've gotten his teammate motherfucker, though. <laughs> uh, all I ever can find is a dirty bastard. It's just not... See, I'm trying to get it. I've been trying to get a dirty bastard for years, but nobody's like, uh-uh, you're not my dirty bastard. Get your own fucking dirty bastard. You know, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the wild card name thing. And what's fun is, like, as a kid, you know, is, you know, pre-internet, so we'd all just sit around, you know, you had your buddies that played Joe, you had your comics, then you had the stack of file cards, and you just right. read over them over and over. Yep. And then... You became an adult, and you started reading through them again, and you suddenly went, lift ticket, huh, Victor Sikorsky, wait a minute. Right. When you that, put wait a minute, Larry's or, making a joke. Or, uh, <laughs> my, my favorite were the, the three original Dreadnoughts, which were, you know, Winking, Blinking, and Nod, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Harry. It was like, he, he, Larry just had to double layer it on that one, just to see if people were really paying attention. Um, well, and then you got crazy shit, like... Uh, Alpine, file name, Albert Pine. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, thinking of that code yep. name, didn't you? Cutter, file name, skip, A, A Stone. Stone. <laughs> um, Phil Provost working at, at, as a CID. Like, oh, just oh, yeah. So many. Um, and then, and then, um, um, and then you've got, and then you got the, the, you know what, what drives me absolutely nuts with file names are the unknown, the classified, and and the and the otherwise we don't fucking feel like coming up with code names, so they're ultra classified. Shut the hell up. Everybody, <laughs> everybody in my Joeverse has a file name. Everybody, yeah. including yeah. Snake Eyes, because um, I can't stand that shit. It's like part of their identity is having a file name because if, if they don't have a file name, then I, I don't feel like there's any sort of realism at all in the character. Well, um, you know, that's something even I was talking with a couple of friends about, even with the newer file cards that we're getting with the current stuff and how they're so much shorter. And, uh, you know, so I'm working on the. I was working on the review, which is actually eventually going to be published for Tombstone. And so you've already got a shorter file card. You've already got no file name for him because that's classified. You know I know they, you guys. You guys brought that up on your show, and yeah. that file card drives me nuts because at least if you're gonna do a new character, the very least you can do is. Yeah, you know, if you if you if you really don't want to give him a file name, give him a fucking birthplace at least. Well, um, give, give him some story other than wasting half his file card text about why he's the equivalent of Duke. Um, we get right. that from the packaging. We don't need well, it reintegrated. Well, hell, we got that at JoeCon. They told us at JoeCon that they wanted to give Duke his equal. Okay, we know this. Like we're saying, we have no history. 
on where he came, exactly birthplace. We have no idea where he came from. We have no idea, you know, anything of this man except that he looks like Tiny off of Friday. How did he lose his eye? I mean, I mean, to me, there's a story there besides the fact that he wanted to be more like Major Blood, Cesspool, Zanzibar, uh, you know, the whole one-eyed club of Cobra. But well, you know, he probably went to Hasbro and said, "Dude, your 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 shipping, your your distribution sucks. You need to get on it." <laughs> They tore it out. You know, even the article in the club newsletter, I like the fact that we got something that gave us some backstory, but it was all more about the design, and it was still wasn't a lot about who the hell this guy is. Well, I haven't given them a file name yet, but that's because I just finished the modifications on him. Um, because 90% of my collection, they come out of the package. I find these little things that irk me, so I fix them. <laughs> um, 90% of my collection is never going to be resellable because it's it, it's customized. Somehow, it could be paint tweaks. It could be part substitutions. It's usually a little more elaborate than that. And I can't... All right, well, all the... the the new wave of the anniversary stuff. I didn't buy Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow because I didn't need them. Um, <laughs> and um, I didn't... Uh, Did anybody? I mean, I like both versions of those figures, but for me... That I is probably Storm one Shadow of the best like. Snake Eyes I have the Snake Eyes I like. Either. I don't need yeah. to buy more of them. And um, I, I'm, I'm one of... I'm the guy that didn't care about Zombie Vipers. Um, um, oh, wow. I'm the other guy. Uh, oh, that's right. We're the two guys that don't care about the zombie fight. <laughs> yep. Um, but I've got the rest of that series. Uh, heavy Duty, I haven't done anything with because I think I actually like the figure enough, just like he is, exactly like he is. And I don't, I, I, well, don't, I don't know. I saw somebody it. did a some. I don't remember what they were, or who did it, but somebody did some minor modifications to it and made it look fantastic. Yeah. Um. Well. You know what? If you can find those, if you can find a link, send it to me because oh, I'm trying to decide if I need to again. do anything with him or not because he's straight out of the package with no tweaks needed um, to be considered um, a, a super successful action figure. He fits that criteria. I just can't decide if there's anything that bugs me. Or not, because let me face it, no, let me put it this way. Everybody else from that wave, except for the Saw Viper, whom I'm sending to Brian, Thank because uh, he's not buying most of them, and he, he likes the Saw Vipers. And, um, uh, I mean, I'd find it, I mean, I'd, uh, if he didn't want it, I'd keep it, and probably not do much with it, but, uh, you know, I'm going to send it to him. Everything else from that wave is either finish being modified or in the process of being modified or will be and isn't yet. Um, so you're right going to actually paint Stiletto's scar, which Hasbro didn't do? I uh, No, actually, I gave her a completely <laughs> different scarf. Um, uh, I repainted the armor. Um, okay, the armored torso came with Helix originally, yeah, where right. she had a yellow shirt, and she had uh, the black armor over it. Well, Stiletto uses the same torso, but they 
the paint the paint apps are weird because the if you if you if you trace the sculpt from one point to another, they've got odd details painted black and other details that are painted red and they don't correspond. No, oh, I hate that. Sculpt. That drives me insane. Yeah, and that's true. So, um, like her her lower torso is black, like Helix's was, um, and they've got they've got uh, part of the upper torso um, painted black, but the sculpt doesn't correspond. Where uh, the straps that hold the armor together are the same burgundy color uh, that are over tits, and but it doesn't. Like, the details don't work. So, I started just by, now, her lower torso, the the lower torso part, it's burgundy to match the top half. Uh, The straps are burgundy. Because, again, the neckband is also burgundy, but then the, the shirt area below that is painted black. And it's very odd. So, uh... All the details from one end, you know, the the air, the shirt that's obviously supposed to be black, all those details are black, and the rest of it is all painted burgundy and glossed over to make it look like armor. Uh, I put some camouflage on the pants because uh, the green they used didn't bug me, but they, they were very obviously just uh, Helix's... Uh, legs, and I yeah. wanted to disguise it, and I wanted to make her look a little more military. Um, because honestly, I don't know Stiletto's backstory. I know that Bill Nita created her for his for his fan fiction, and Hasbro, you know, she won the poll, so Hasbro made the figure. But I've never read it, and because I I just I like I like her code name. I wish I could find her file card so I could look up what the hell her file name is. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm basically militarizing her and making the paint details match the way the sculpt, uh, says they should. Um, let's see. Tombstone is great. He's a good starting point. Um, but, uh, the Firefly legs are okay from the calf down, but I don't like the way he's got uh, armored shins, an armored vest, armored shoulder blade, uh, uh, shoulder armor, and armored forearms. But then the the thighs have nothing going on, and so uh, I added uh, armor from that uh, Pursuit of Cobra um, Recondo and. Uh, the blue they used is a little too dark. There wasn't enough contrast with the black undersuit. Uh, so uh, now he's all gloss blue. And since I realized, uh, not gloss, uh, metallic blue. Um, and since I realized he had uh, the armored vest and all this armor down below, hey, Hasbro, how about a fucking helmet? Thank you. Um, so. Uh, oh, you know what's funny? Um, have, have you seen the one that's floating around on eBay every so often? 
And it's got a... I, I can't find a picture of it right yeah, now. Yeah, the, the, the weird... The alternate paint apps. Well, um, and the alternate construction. He had different legs. No, I didn't see yeah, that. he had the Storm Shadow legs, which is really strange because that goes with the upper torso even less than... Yeah. Um, it, like, that was an odd recipe. Like, that was a change that they absolutely needed to make. Um, yes. And I'm glad they did. Um because, well, the other thing that was weird about him in the first place was his shoulder blade, his shoulder armor was pure white. Yeah. And then, uh, like I said, the body glove is black, and then uh, the rest of his armor is like that, like that dark, dark blue. And so the whole thing never came together anyways. Falcon yeah. was a disaster. Um, okay, Falcon... Falcon was lazy. One, I'm going to be. He was extremely lazy because I'm sorry. I I believe that Falcon, being the infantry officer that he is, there should never be a Falcon figure that is not covered in camouflage. Yeah, um, yep. that. Yeah. And then uh, his legs sucked um, because <laughs> those legs are fine for other characters, um, not for Falcon. So. He's got fatigue pants, and he's got the jungle boots, and, and, uh, and yeah, he's covered in camouflage. Um, you know, for as many repaints as they keep doing, why can't they repaint that Ultimate Duke figure? I mean, I need, like, a million of those for customs. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, because, well, they've, they repainted it once for Sightline, uh, Sight which was the uh, oh, tribute to Joe Fan. uh, Gary Goggle's head, um, but he's he's in a box set, and that him. drove me crazy because so. I was going to get that figure, and then the, they put it in a box set. I'm like, I didn't even know about that until last week. I mean, when are they going to release the scary goggles figure? Oh, it's been out. What? Yeah, I bought yeah I bought it off eBay for twenty bucks. Um, but that's because uh, I need my Wolf Squad. Um, that was you know what. I'll mention that, too. That was the other thing about this figure that drove me nuts, okay? I like this Wolf Squad idea. Uh, You mean that whole color change where we went from gray to black? I I don't... don't, The Wolf Squad thing is really cool because it's been a long time since Hasbro tried to put a brand new unit into the Mythos. Yeah. But year to year... They vary a lot on on a color scheme. It isn't like all right now. Tiger Force is fuck ugly, but <laughs> oh man, but, come on! I know no, dude, it's fan, true. But it but, is I true. Mean, I, I mean, won't argue it, that. They're, 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 I mean, Tiger Force drove right. me crazy as a kid. Half of them look like they threw up on themselves, <laughs> but but I will give them this. They used a consistent palette of putrid colors, at least. Okay, so you've got um, you've got like uh, a couple different greens, um, but um, and you've got a couple different browns, and you've got a couple of different yellows, but they're all and a lot of orange. Sort of various stages of necrotic decomposition. Okay, so. But you didn't have anything obnoxious, whereas 
like the Tiger Force box set that came out from Toys R Us, which sort of paid tribute to the European Tiger Force figures, even though they didn't replicate any of them. None of those, except for Outback, fits because they were all like blue and red and like bright orange. Yeah. It's odd. Um, and then, um, so, um, the, uh, the Wolf Squad idea is awesome, but yeah, they, they haven't, and they had this thing going with the gray and vaguely urban camouflage, but, uh, like Night Fox is Wolf Squad, but he's using a completely different gray, and he has tiger stripes on his, uh, tunic, um, and then you've got uh, Outback, who is in uh, just stealth colors, and Falcon, who's in darker stealth colors, but, like you said, lazy as fuck. Uh, well, in, in Outback, you notice on him, first of all, he's taken steroids because his entire body is larger now. Yeah. But um, the other thing is is they painted over the sleeve line on the thank arms. You. Okay, here's oh, the man. thing. Now, they put that cool... Uh, really large Wolf Squad uh, unit patch on his arm. But, yeah, the upper arms are the same one used on, uh, like, that second uh, Roblox uh, from Retaliation and, and Bazooka. So you've clearly, just above the bicep, you've got the sculpted line where the T-shirt sleeve ends, and then below that, you've clearly got what's supposed to be a bare arm, and the entire yeah. thing is painted, like, gray. And if you want to do the sleeve thing, take the sleeve mold off the uh, off yeah. the other roadblock figure, and then, if they'd done that, and they put the Wolf Squad logo, it would have been looked, it would have looked badass. Like you said, he took the steroids, and at first, it didn't bug me, because, alright. the hell out of me now. Well, because you know, it didn't bug me in the first place was because I'm okay with him being sort of a muscle-bound guy. Now, here's where the part that bugged me was. First of all, the 25th Outback Head. Uh, I thought the sculpt for a while looked cool until, Fred, you and Chris made that <laughs> review of the Tiger Force version, and you put the comparison picture because you guys complained that the 25th Head sculpt was small, and I hadn't realized it. And then you guys put the the, the new Outback head sculpt that they did uh, next to, you know, on that Tiger Force figure next to the other Outbacks. So I'm like, oh, wow, that head sculpt actually is a little bit undersized. But on the on the beefy mountain body, it looked yeah. ridiculous. See, that's um, the, and that's then once, my, it's... once I got him apart to repaint him and and address the sleeve thing. I decided that, all right, you know what? Wolf Squad doesn't really need Outback. So, um, <laughs> but I, I did, I, I was looking for an, I'm always looking for an excuse to make customs of all those new characters that Hasbro created for the Joe line in 2001 and 2002. Am I um, a major barrage coming? Uh, no, actually. Um, not yet. The other, uh, no, not yet. Um, uh, no, yeah, we got there yet. Um, but, uh, if you look at the 2002 medic sideswipe, where yeah. he used the big, 
Uh, and Stretcher's, Stretcher's function was uh, he basically ran to the battlefield and he'd carry, yeah. uh, he'd carry the injured Joes um, off the field himself. And so he'd have to be a pre- pretty beefy guy. And yeah. they used that beefy sculpt for Sideswipe. And on the file card for Sideswipe, they even addressed it. And they said that in high school, uh, he was a weightlifter and he was a wrestler. Um, so they explained it. And so I decided uh, that the big outback body would make a good basis for Sideswipe. So, and they need a medic. So, Everybody so needs a I medic. made Sideswipe into Wolf Squad's uh, medical guy. See, I'm, I'm uh, taking Outback and just, because I'm not a customizer, but as I was shooting the review picks, because well, I had these a couple weeks ago, um, and I just, I mean, that head's killing me. So I popped it off, <laughs> and I took uh, one of the extra gung hose I have laying around and popped that head on the body, and suddenly I've got a nice Night Force gung-ho out of it. You know what? That works because... he's got the stature. It's, well, and Plus half the arms were his anyways. I half mean, or the arms, half, and I think uh, the legs were too. Yeah, so, so yeah, because that's right. His lower arms and, uh, yeah, I think I think the, the feet were gung-ho. So that worked. And you know what? I liked uh, the Valor versus Venom uh uh, idea of Night Force Gung Ho, not the figure they actually did because <laughs> yeah. it was the definition of the proportion problems yeah. from the 2004 era. But um, that's a good idea. I just, like I said, I needed an excuse to make Sideswipe. And uh, <laughs> they needed a medic because you can't have a unit like this and not have a medic. So basically, uh, Falcon's in charge, uh, Torpedoes is XO. Uh, they've got their medic, and then they've got the recon guy, which is uh, hit and run, and then uh, they got their sniper, which is sightline. I know they call him anti-aircraft, but uh, he's got a fucking sniper rifle. <laughs> um, so you know they got their you know they got their sniper, and then and then they've got uh, uh, no, I take that back. No, well, no, I guess he'd be more. Um, well, because. It's funny because before I got the figures, I thought I thought Shooter was included with them, but I didn't realize before I got the set, before I saw detailed pictures, I didn't realize that they all had a Wolf Squad logo. I yeah. thought they included her because it was either that or put her in a two-pack. I didn't realize she was supposed to be part of Wolf Squad. I thought they were treating her like she was treated in the Joe declassified comic where she was a lone operator. She was a sniper by herself. I just figured, um, that they had, um, either they had her in that set because, um, Outback and Falcon might be her, uh, backup in the field or, uh, maybe trainers or something. But when I found out that they all had the wolf squad logos, I said, well, She's still going to be, um, she's still going to be the lone. I mean, she she's a member of Wolf Squad, but she's not she's not going to be going out with the rest of them uh, into the field for for combat stuff. Um, she's clearly going to do a job. So Sightline, he might do sniper shit on the battlefield, but 
they're not going to deploy him uh, as the sniper. Um, um, like he, I guess he'd be more of a pathfinder as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Could be so, a scout, scout sniper or spotter. Um, yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay, all right. You know what? I I couldn't. I was having. I'm like, isn't there a function for that? But I couldn't. I couldn't get my brain in order for it. Oh, hey, by the way, um, Canadian acting sensation Alan Thicke has died. Uh, rest in peace. Who? Um, uh, yeah, Alan, I didn't hear. Alan Thicke, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Dead at 69. Jeez. 2016, they're dropping like flies this year. No shit. shit. Uh, yeah, we've we got, what, three weeks left? Fuck. Next. Somebody tell Larry um, Hama to eat his Wheaties, seriously. Um, right. Well, okay, here, yeah. here, here's my concern. Now, I'm a huge fan of NCIS. Um, Ducky on that show played Yuri on The Man from Uncle. Oh, well, yeah, he did. I worry about him because he's in his advanced age. I can't picture NCIS without Ducky as, uh, as their uh, autopsy officer. Um, but beyond that... Um, and his Robert co- Vaughn just died. Yes, Robert Vaughn, his co his his uh, his his, uh, his co-star from the Man from Uncle just died. So now I'm doubly worried about uh, about Ducky. Um, but anyways, tangent. What the fuck, man? Um, <laughs> uh, so and it's yeah. ironic because I've been watching Man from Uncle on DVD a lot lately. Uh, you know, I saw that movie last month. I got curious and I watched it. It's too bad there won't be a sequel because that movie is yeah. excellent. Did there oh, won't be a sequel? Fun. I saw that, that they were making a sequel for that. Not really? as far as I know. Because it didn't make enough money. Really? I heard that they were doing perform- a sequel for that. Well, that's good news. I thought they weren't doing a sequel for it. Maybe I uh, saw that wrong then. But I thought, um, uh, thought I saw that Aaron Cavill signed on for a second one. Ooh. That's good news. Double check me on that, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Double check me on that. Look at it. Um, You might have to research that, but I I could have sworn I saw that they were doing a sequel for that. I may be wrong, but oh, that would be awesome because man, that movie. I love that in that movie they shoot it with the 2015 at the time it was made 2014 and that it was made. They used the current technology, but. They shot it in the same way they would have shot it if they'd made it in the 60s. With, yeah, it had a total uh, 60s vibe. Yeah. And it was gorgeous. I mean, down to the camera angles and even it, some of the lighting tricks that exactly, they used to got, use, like the highlighting. Yeah, you got the like the, the like the hazy look to the outdoor shots, and yeah. and and you've got the <clears throat> and you've got a lot of contrast. Um, for the indoor shots, and um, you've got uh, you've got a lot of color in the clothing, um, but there's nothing gaudy anywhere. It was oh my god, the movie was beautiful, and it was fun. Yes, and it, it was. was fun in a way that a lot of um, spy movies don't tend to be, unless they're being intentionally campy, right. or unless they're being um, you know, unless they're 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 trying to do that, where this thing just was naturally cool. Um, well, and they had a good repartee going between the two leads. I like how 
it was a it was a deviation from the old television series a little bit, but the way they they showed the differences between Solo and Kirkurin, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, they, they those two actors played off each other beautifully. Oh. Uh, the girl was perfect. Yes, she and, was. And uh, and and the twists were 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 excellent. Um, yeah. Um, and not to ruin anything, but the, his, his final speech to the to the villain at the end, I thought was brilliant. The little bit over the radio. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? They really. <laughs> you know what? Even even in that one, when when they do the the the, the car chase, you know, down into the river, and all yeah. of that felt like it was made from a different time. And whoever was responsible for making that movie if god forbid they're not if i'm um if 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 one of us is wrong and they're not making a sequel they need to do more movies that they can sort of replicate their idea um, yeah um that was guy but, Ritchie, if i remember it was guy um, Ritchie. guy Ritchie. what else did he do is he the guy uh, that did um lock stock and two smoking yes. barrels he yeah. did uh, the sherlock holmes robert danny jr yes he did Oh, huh. I mean, it was married to Madonna for a while, but we won't hold that against him. Maybe um, I should watch that. Maybe I should watch that Sherlock Holmes movie again. Um, the first one was pretty good. I like both a, of them. Well, it's been a while bit. since I saw it. I like both um, of them, but I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. So, um, yeah, I was to say you're biased. Um, I am. Um, <laughs> well, are, are they making another one? Uh, I haven't heard. It's kind of up are. in the air. I, um, I know they made they made the one sequel, and I think that might have been where they put the brakes on it, just because Robert Downey Jr. got sucked into Marvel land. That was kind of in between. Yeah. Some of the Iron Man um, stuff, but uh, I, I've seen, I've not seen anything recently saying that they are going to do one or they aren't going to do one. I think it's still up in the air. I would say it's one of those things that, that at some point you'll randomly read the news in a few months that... That it's that yeah it's going forward and up starting production next week right um, yeah. but uh, yeah so you know what the, the my my customs uh, where Brian when he makes customs he goes all out he does head to toe repaints gear and more gear on top of gear where <laughs> he doesn't do I mean I will do some full out customs that are you know that are balls to the wall pull out all the stops but i do a lot of tweaks as well like right now on my like i'm working on that 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 anniversary duke uh he's got a different head sculpt i put different lower legs on him and i'm painting camouflage on the pants um like you said he needs a belt um so he's got a belt um but yeah see well brian mentioned his his box set of the seals um Brian's been doing seals customs for years, and and uh, and they're like you know they're all they're realistic seals the way you actually uh, you know see them in the uh, like you know the the boarding party seals in the you know the the, the behind them enemy lines ones not like Hasbro seals where everybody is in a wetsuit. Um, I mean, it literally took them until what two thousand and. Four before we finally got a seal that was in fatigues? I was going to say three, yeah. but I'm not positive on that. 
Um, yeah, because I think the first one was that uh, was that um, spy troops torpedo in that horrid color green. Yeah. Um, yeah. That shade of green and lack of camouflage killed that figure for me. Um, but the uh, um, yeah, but the um, yeah. See, I like. See, I, I buy all, I buy most of the anniversary stuff. Um, has uh, Brian doesn't? He's he's had it with repaints. Um, he's he uh, he uh, he doesn't get a lot of the club stuff either because he's had it with repaints. <laughs> um, I do get some of the club stuff, but not not a lot of it. Well, I was gonna say you you cherry pick uh, very different, much so. You know, very but like. Even if you had the money, you wouldn't go and buy the box set from the convention. No, um, because that'd be too many repaints in one in one place for you. Where, see, <clears throat> I'd love to buy the convention set. Um, where's that extra four hundred dollars? I have no other use for whatsoever. Right. <laughs> um, say, yeah. Unfortunately, adult responsibilities tend um, to trump getting a lot of repainted figures. Uh, you know, I mean. Here and there, I will try to track down one or two of the figures from those sets. But, um, like, uh, I want the Flying Scorpion figure. Um, but I, I like what the club did. See, I'm generally a big supporter of what the club does, their efforts. Um, but I can't buy most of it because I can't afford it. and And it's... They they sort of do a completionist thing that yeah. I don't always feel yeah. compelled to do. Um, I uh, like I don't subscribe to the to the figures. I did the first one, but I didn't after that. Um, and I sort of toyed with it this time, but yeah, I really couldn't afford it. But it was more like most of the figures were really cool, but I decided not quite enough of them um where if i really want them later i can go pick them up for 45 dollars from the club store um, yeah. um but i mean you guys did a rundown on your show of each and every one of the new ones um but it's funny because you guys started with selvo and what's funny about that is all right the joe community is like any fandom you've got people that are never happy right you've got people that are always happy except for a few random instances and then you've got other people who accept it all or don't accept it all and rarely does anybody agree on anything yeah i was shocked within a day within a day the 24 hours after (laughs) they showed that selvo figure that first one i have never before seen a more unified and universal uh, opinion on something from the Joe community before and we'll never see it again the 99% hatred of that Selvo was shocking because it's just one of those I mean it was terrible but what shocked me more was that every board I went to even on the club's own boards, oh, yeah. um, they, yeah. there was no praise at all. There were a few people here and there that said, well, I don't like it, 
but if it's what they're giving us, I can live with it. But there were more <laughs> people than than there were. I, okay, and I'm gonna say this because I love the optimistic, sunny outlook that like Justin Bell tends to have, where he supports the line, but even he had nothing good <laughs> to say about it. And, well, and you know, um, there, there, there's an art form to updating any character design. And it's, you have to look at what made that character unique in the beginning. And, you know, find the, find those, just those core elements that really kind of defined them. And then you bring those forward and everything else you can lose. See, with Salvo, his size was one of them. Yeah, like you said, a lot of, and you pointed out in a lot of your reviews, they do, they take the essence of what they, they take certain traits about each one and they sort of translate it but you're right i mean and the other thing with salvo was you know when you think of salvo you think bald head big dude with massive launcher and that t-shirt that looks like he just grabbed a sharpie and wrote it on there himself yeah and the club version came out more like some guy that i would see at starbucks wearing a shirt that he bought at, you know, Old Navy, you know, printed, and just this thin little dude with this dainty briefcase, and, you know, and I'm like, what God the damn, hell is scares. this? Like, it's the one time you can use that ginormous roadblock body, and no one's going to fault you for it. As opposed and it's the to, one they didn't use. Yeah, and, and instead, and let's, let's go that. the toll booth route and find the smallest body we possibly can. And we'll use yeah. that. It's okay. No one's going to notice. Just like I said from the get-go, we wanted the Hulk, we got Bruce Banner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, the thing is... A Didn't lot they say of, they were going to change that, though? Didn't I see something where they're they like... Did. They're like, they did. They're like, everybody fucking hates originally. it. Because they had such a... Because of the universal... Um, and and the, not even just universal. It, it was the overwhelming negative response to it that they turned around a few days later and said uh you know we got you we've heard you loud and clear we're gonna do the best we can with with uh with the short window of time that we've got and they showed they showed an image a mock-up and they said uh it's not a straight repaint but it's a lot closer to what you were asking for we're hoping that it can happen and yeah they used the roadblock body they used a different pair of legs and he was finally the big dude that Selva was supposed to be. Um, I mean, because, you know, it's, it's, this would be the equi- what the, What happened with Selvo would be the equivalent of trying to do a new roadblock and doing him on the smallest frame possible. And then let's make him white because, you know, no and one's female. Don't let's, let's put him on the Lady J body. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, so, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll make, him ro- we'll make him a female version and we'll see if anybody notices. And the whole point no, is... No, it's is transgender. Like, we'll just say it's transgender. To really... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> to really get Don't some, ask, don't tell, man. Right, um, exactly. But I, I, w- I was happy to see the club actually change on this. Because, you know, so often the club... God love them, but sometimes there's almost an attitude of, eh, screw it, fuck you, what are you going to do? Well, Buy it or don't, yeah. Let, like, take it or leave it. And in this case, I think they realize, wow... Everyone is going to leave this. You know, like, it's just odd to me because they're so good 
at usually sort of, even if they go in a strange direction with something, you can always tell that their heart is in the right place. Yeah. And it's just so weird that the Selbo thing happened in the first place because very rarely will the club completely miss like that. It's just, it was like an odd... It's almost like they had somebody else design this one. You know, in the past, we've had Boss Fight has done some work on it. Yeah. We've had, you know, Dave, even even David Lane, who I don't always agree with his parts choices, but, you know, David Lane has done a lot of it. And this one felt like it was from someone completely different. I don't know if that's the case or not. I don't know if that's me just reading too much into it. But I can't imagine most people who've been Joe fans for any length of time looking at, you know, all the parts they have available and going, hey, let's use the scrawny ones to make Salvo. You know, it just doesn't, I, I don't know. It'd be, it, again, it's like making Roadblock, but with a full head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, it just, I don't know. I mean, it, well, I, you I know what's funny? it's you just mentioned... weird. I mean, there's, there's no, I don't have anything other to add and it was just like huh you know <laughs> I, I love that roadblock figure I really do because it is beautifully sculpted I love the the style of, of shirt it's very I try all my customs are realistic military that it's a very common shirt in the military I can't use that figure for any of my customs because I don't have any heads that don't look like pinheads on that figure. Yeah. I love that figure, and I can't use it because it's too oversized. You know what? A lot of times when Hasbro uses it, they didn't I mean, use it for the Salvo. It just blew me away. Yeah, the, the Roadblock figure, or the, the Rock version that they made from Retaliation, it works because he's a big, beefy dude, yes. and his head uh, fits his body just fine. And it seems like because that head was made to go on that sculpt, it works. And you're right. Most of the time, any other head that goes with it is odd. I mean, I did not, I did not complain about I saw a lot of collectors going, well, why bazooka got to be so huge? I'm fine with that. I can't stand that they use that 25th head that was not only tiny, but it was made for a longer neck. So... It was sitting right on top of his clavicles, yeah. and and it was it, it looked like that that end scene from Beetlejuice. <laughs> um, so um, I took I took the head from the twenty fifth Chuckles, which is a large bulbous head um, that was too big for the shipwreck body. They put it on. Yes, I sculpted a mustache on it, painted the hair black, put it on the body, and I'm like holy shit, that actually did work. Um, because all of a sudden, because that head was oversized in the first place, it fit that body perfectly. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, there is no use for the chuckle. It's so weird. Like, they use Chuckle's head for barricade, and even the armored body they used, Chuckle's oh. head still looked too big. That that figure was... God, you know what? I, I, I always try to find one positive thing to say. About every figure, because there, there really the is scheme, right? something. 
the closest I can come on Barricade is that he kind of looks like Captain Power, and that's about it. I Yeah, no kidding. God, I hate that figure so much. You know what? Here's one of those cases where my thing with that Barricade figure was I do understand they wanted to replicate as much of the armor as they could. But it's one of those cases where funny because sometimes the club will get super creative with these random parts that yeah. you don't think would work. And then you look at it, you're like, huh, that kind of really does. But in Barricade's case, I saw countless customs after those those accelerator suit figures came out, yeah. painted them golden, used them as Barricade. It was literally the most obvious solution they could have done and it's one of those cases where the club i said they couldn't have taken the unexpected route here they really went with the most the most cliche parts they could have and i'm like not only does it not replicate the look that barricade had in the first place but you just realize that that body with a lot of colors applied to it it's just odd. It is. Um, yeah. I the club likes to use Vol- that body. Well, I didn't mind it for Voltar because he's an Iron Grenadier, and they tend to be they tend to be a little bit over the top and yeah. wonky with their um, with their uh, designs. Anyways, it fits perfectly. So I think that fit perfectly, but but for Barricade. Oh. God, what a disaster. I'm like, and then oh, they, they switched his arms and made his arms shorter. Did they? They went with the uh, 20 fit, was, was the Iron Grenadier, I think, armored Cobra Commander arms. Really? Of, I... And they're shorter than the ones that are on the accelerator suit. So he has these little wee, not, not T-Rex short, but he has little wee arms. Oh, that's funny. I don't, I don't think I even realized that they changed the arms. You yeah. know what? Arm proportion, or no, proportions in general are, are kind of a big deal to me. See, that one wasn't completely obvious. You know which figure absolutely killed me? When they announced Skullbuster, I thought, oh, oh. sweet. And then oh. I get why they wanted to use the Shadow Tracker arms, because those are a great sculpt. Why yeah, would they you put just, it with that skinny Range Viper body? They just need um, to fit what they're on. Ryan is the world's biggest Range Viper fan. Yep. He didn't like the 25th Range Viper because it was too small. Yeah. I have the Snowbuster um, figure. No, I have uh, a... I have my own line Range of Vipers. Range Viper custom action figures. I call it the Range Viper Omega Squad. So it's it's the premise is the last man standing from any cla- any range viper class automatically becomes the range viper omega. Okay. So and, you know, like graduating class number two, you know, yeah. Cobra uses these guys; they're expendable as all hell. Only the hardest badasses are going to survive as a range viper. So who, whatever guy is left from the. Um, from the the graduating class of that Range Viper squad, uh, gets the title as Range Viper Omega. 
Well, and his Range Vipers also don't have the uniformity. What does their file card say? Their file card says that their suits are often, they start out one way, and then as they're out in the wilderness, sort of in survival mode, they add to their armor, right? I mean, I'm not imagining that it says something like that, right? Like, they're piecemeal. No, no, they they kind of add bits and bobs as they go along, yeah. Okay, so none of his range vipers are uniform, which is awesome. And that's why I like that we've gotten a couple different color schemes of it over the years. But, man, that figure was mostly, what, that, was it Resolute Cobra Trooper and those skinny alley viper legs and those massive gorilla arms. It was so weird. That was another case where you're telling me that somebody at the club didn't look at that and say, "Um, maybe we should find a different body? And it was a completely different circumstance in Selbo where that was just inappropriate for the character, but that skull bust, you look at it like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. No. He's kind of like a V. He's kind of like one of the recycled V troops where they gave him gorilla arms just for the heck of it. Because his, I'm looking at a picture of him now, and his hands almost go to his knees. Yeah, it's so like that's ridiculous. Strange. Like it was just such a. Like I said, I nor most of the time I can support what the club does, but every once in a while they make that wacky decision that, and and that's one of those. It's like you. Those proportions are so bad, they honestly, they ruin the figure. See, and I uh, bought I just, it sight unseen because it's a range wiper. Um, do you guys remember what? the, do you guys remember when Skullbuster appeared in America's Elite in the comic? No. And he, he showed up, it was this weird issue where like, Shipwreck and Cover Girl were going to track down like, remaining Cobra people. A lot of them a lot of that America's Elite comic I like to forget about, but this issue wasn't bad. And they find Skullbuster in, like, the northern coast of Africa, I want to say. And he is in this just cobbled-together, weird, you know, sort of uniform. He's And his head, his hair had gone all into dreadlocks a lot like Skullbuster. I mean, not a uh, Shadow Tracker. And I'm going... Well, heck, if the club wanted to use those arms, they could have just used Shadow Tracker's head and done this more primitive-looking Skullbuster. That's what and I, I expected them awesome. to do. Skullbuster's but, head, or I'm sorry, Shadow Tracker's head by itself, no oh. modification, well, some paint modifications, would have been perfect for Skullbuster. We used a screen cap, for, I think, from that issue on the on JBL when Chris and I did the, uh, the review of Skullbuster, and I remember looking at that going... Oh, man, like, if they had done this version, he'd be front and center on my shelf. You know what? Honestly, that Shadow Tracker figure is so well done yeah. that they could have used most of his parts, given him a different vest and maybe, maybe, maybe different legs, but um, just to mix it up, but uh, proportionate legs, um, like, maybe... <laughs> But imagine if you just did Shadow Tracker in the Skullbuster colors. Oh, and yeah. That would have been cool. So instead I they use the this... hell out of that. They, they use this beanpole body with these gargantuan arms. And and then it just... It, it, it didn't just look bad. It was like... 
it, it took what they did with the original Skullbuster, which was just a straight-up Range Viper, and it honestly sort of made the character worse off. I don't remember that America's Elite, but that sounds awesome. I kind of want to track that issue down. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I don't think I have read it. And if I remember correctly, I think on Skullbuster, it was just the lower arms that were Shadow Tracker. I want to say even the uppers were still from that Resolute Trooper that they used to make the Range Viper. Oh, that's just bizarre. I I don't even remember that. Wow. I I could be wrong, but... that's um, goofy as shit. Oh, and that, that issue with Skullbuster, I think, was... Uh, I, I'm just looking it up. It's America's Elite number 27. Oh, you totally know what? Was, worth reading. I think I wasn't reading America's Elite anymore. I gave up on it at some point because, <laughs> like, this is just... This is this oh, is not... crap comic. I'm like, this is not G.I. Joe. Like, this is not... Well, it followed on the heels of... See, I liked most of the Devil's Do Run... And Josh Bla- and 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 Josh Blaylock had a great idea, and I liked a lot of what he did. And then when he brought Brandon Jerwa on, and he made a dynamite comic, like every oh my issue God, yes. was amazing. Yeah. And then it was like all of a sudden, it was like there was a deadline hanging over their head, and they set up the Red Shadows, and then. All of a sudden, it was like the comic was moving at a breakneck pace, not for action, but it was like it was choppy editing or writing or something where all of a sudden what should have been like a 10-issue arc was like fit into like four issues. Um, they um, They did something that drives me insane in the first place where... All of a sudden, they just started randomly killing off Joes. Yeah. I don't know if it was for shock value or... It's shock value. It's just how comic books. I mean, come on. uh, Well, yeah, I mean... But see, unlike in in normal comic books, Uh. where these are Brian's words, not mine, death is a minor career setback. Yep. (laughs) Um, It's true anymore. It doesn't... It doesn't work for G.I. Joe. So when you're bringing all these characters in just to kill them off, at least when Larry Hama did it with Cool Breeze, he had two issues, and he sacrificed himself. In these in these Joe comics, they were literally bringing characters on for one or two panels just to kill, just to kill them off. Yeah. Hardball, Rampart, Action Man was introduced on one page and dead at the bottom of the page. Oh, man. Um, yeah, let's see. Hardball and Rampart and Glenda from the South American line, they were on the jungle mission, and then they don't even show them get killed. They, they, they show all these, all the red laser sights on them, and they, the, 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 the issue sort of cuts away with, like, gunfire or something, so you know that they completely wasted them. And then... And wasn't Boa killed off, too, at the beginning of one of those issues? Even some yeah. of the Cobras. Yeah, he was killed off off camera, in quotes. Yeah. He was killed off with no exposition at all. He was just, they found, in fact, I think it was Hardball, Rampart, and Glenda that found him. He was just dead. He was just dead. Like, there was no story to how he got killed. He was just dead. But then it all culminated with the absolute 
shittiest fuck you to Lady J. Yeah. When she was killed by a shard of glass. Yeah. Okay, you're going to take one of the A-list Joes and completely waste her like that? It was just so weird. Oh, well, oh, wait, that's right. They killed off Mainframe and Flash just before that for, again, no apparent reason. Well, now, wait a minute. If I remember, Mainframe and Flash, though, they died in Devil's Due. They died in um, the, uh, the assault on Cobra Island. Did they? Yeah, because remember they were the ones they they went to set they went to do something to take down. It's I, I at one point I owned the page that that was, and I hooked Jay Hunger up uh, smokescreen with it because you know Flash is one of his favorites. But that's that panel. It's in a uh, twenty five, and they go and they're trying to take down. Was it the EMP generator? The rate something on Cobra Island, and Flash and Mainframe get separated after setting the explosives. And I remember they're, they're, they, like, look at each other and they go, mission accomplished. Yo. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, that's right. It was mission I was thinking their last words were, yo, Joe, you're right. It was mission And then they blew up. See, I was, I threw them in there because it felt like just such an empty death. But, oh, well, and then Chuckles. They do this huge thing. They set up Chuckles in this huge way. And then, <laughs> and then Overkill just sort of rips his, I don't know, he puts his hand through his chest and we never see Chuckles again. Yeah. And then and then I see I shock value deaths just annoy me because they, they there's nothing organic about it. You know, I I I'm still traumatized. I was I think eleven years old when G.I. Joe one oh nine came out. Oh I am still because I had never read a comic book that was that realistic where people were killed off in a war zone the way they were. Yeah. And I'm still, like, it's one of my favorite issues, and it's because it's so tragic. I mean, first of all, you kill Doc. Oh. That was horrible. Climb the couple, ladder. And yeah. then, you're right, he, he pops his head out of, uh, he pops his head out of the ditch, he looks up, there's the Saw Viper, he gets shot, and then, um, a couple panel, uh, a panel or two later, then the saw viper just mows. He just he starts firing into the hole. He mows down crankcase, heavy metal, and thunder. Like their bodies were riddled with bullets. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and then later on in the issue, you know, they're they're gathering up the bodies. They throw them on that rage tank, and then Breaker makes a a distress call, and and. And that was shortly, that was right after Quick Kick had the saddest and most awesome panel where he grabbed, oh, yeah. where he grabs that, that automatic rifle and just lets loose. And he, he wastes a bunch of Vipers. And is and, still holding the trigger down when it's out of ammo. Yeah, it's out of ammo. They're long dead and he's crying his eyes out. Oh. And then Breaker sends the distress call. And Falcon's yelling into the radio, or uh, no, Falcon's yelling to keep it together. And then the the rage tank blows up, and it sends out Breaker, Crazy Legs, and Quick Kick. And yeah. it was so sad because at the end of it, Duke, who's mortally on borderline mortally injured, oh yeah, um, and then you've got. 
you've got Falcon and uh, Cross Country trying to gather up the bodies. Cross Country's crying his eyes out. Falcon's yep. trying to stay strong. That is, to this day, one of the most oh. powerful comic books I've ever read. And then, it wasn't the end of it. No, because then the Sawbiker shows up. Yeah, he shows up, and then, and then, and then, and then, like, he gets the, he gets a party thrown for him because oh. of all the, the bodies that he dropped. And then, like, two issues later... Uh, there's the cool breeze of sacrifice. Brand new rookie Joe, you know, he, he makes a major sacrifice, kills himself. And then, like two issues later, it's the saddest death for Sneak Peek ever when he runs into that crossfire oh. by, by by the Frag Viper and the Rain yeah. Viper. That they throw those kids out into the um, out into the alley as bait. Yeah. Sneak Peek goes out there grabs the kids, throws them basically to Dusty for safety, and then he gets mowed down. And then Dusty carries his body all the way back to Joe headquarters, and he's up on on Dusty's back, and Stretcher checks his pulse, and he's like, Dusty, he's dead. He's he's long dead. Which I love Larry Hammond to death, but God in the... The IDW continuation comic, when they brought him back from the dead, and I'm sitting here going, "How the hell?" Well, okay, is he if, still alive? If I remember right, I want to say I think he brought him back in one issue, to no fanfare, and then like an like an issue later. He tries to explain it like he was on some covert ops. Yeah. Almost he's like, like, he, he's <laughs> like, I went and told your mom you were dead. He's like, oh, yeah, I was in, um, Uzbe- I was keeping an eye on Darklon's castle. Because, you know, Darklon was always considered a real threat in the comics. Well, oh. <laughs> that was weird because Larry Hama, his attention to detail is almost always flawless. See, that's what makes me think Larry Hama, somebody told Larry Hama to do that. Huh? That's what makes me think somebody told Larry Hama to do that, because that does not sound like Larry Hama. No, because it's almost like he forgot that he killed Sneak Peek, and I can't believe for a second that he did that, that he would have forgotten something like that because it was such a huge thing. Nah, it's to me, like somebody's just, like, you're going to bring these char- this particular character back. But, and it was so odd because, you know, he said it was undercover. And it was just, you're right. You know what? Somebody probably did say, bring him back. Just explain it. Who, whatever. Figure it out. Who cares? We want the character back. Like, it be like it Doc walking in the room going, hey guys, um, I had some gel pack. I had some blood packs on him. Fine. Uh, yeah. dude. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Killing right. the fire, that's not Doc. Um, that's yeah, exactly. Oh, zombie! Kill it. Um, <laughs> oh my god, okay. So this would be completely wrong, but it would be almost the most twisted convention set ever is to take all the dead Joes and do a zombie pack. Oh, That's not a bad idea. You'd know that oh, people would no. eat that up. Um... I'm not in this. I'm not saying I'm in favor of it. I'm just going. 
you know? Wouldn't surprise you. I'm here to tell you that would suck. The, the one defense I have is that they already did the zombie thing, yeah. but then the other defense comes in and says, how many times have they done the Iron Grenadiers? Well, that half of me says, fuck you to the other half. Um, <laughs> because, because, again, I support the club. Stop with the Iron Grenadiers already. God damn it. They used to be one of my favorite factions, and how many more fucking times do you need to do it? Yeah. Um, but... No, but then again, you know what? what other factions are there? I mean, yeah, aside from what dreadnoughts have not been done in a while. Well, they were in that ridiculous 2004 set. Nobody uh, wants six identical cousins, which is the most. <laughs> wow! I, 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 Thank you. I was thinking it. Slater Bingo. <laughs> buy the uh, buy just... the box set and get the free 118 scale banjo with it. <laughs> Um, oh, but you know what? If the club did sculpt an 18-scale banjo, people would go out of their minds trying to get it. Oh, yeah. yeah for, and they'd call it for dial purposes, but it's more like, no, you want to make a band. You're trying to do Cold Slither. That's what you're doing. Um, uh, how many of us would buy an actual Cold Slither box set? I'm not lying. I'm raising my hand right now. Oh, so am I. Okay, Zartan? Not just my favorite Joe Villain. My favorite bad guy of all time from anything. I would buy the shit out of it simply because I hate that episode. But <laughs> if they did it and they did it right, that I'd be, be all so afraid. Awesome. Um, I'm surprised. You know what really surprises me? That the club has not yet done Hector Ramirez. Didn't they do I a Cold Slither set? You've got uh, the suit. I mean, we just got it with Colton. It, it's pretty much a no-brainer. It's the Colton body, or it's the or it's the vest uh, and jacket combo that they're going to use for Shattered Glass Zaymont with a new head. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've done. They did Billy, who fucking sucks. I hate that character. But the figure was great. The, <laughs> the, the character sucks ass. Um. But they did him, and they did Dr. Venom. They're doing Dr. Biggles Jones. How have they not done Hector Ramirez? Uh, Maybe that's just, number 13. Uh, oh. Female. That, 13. No, it's female this year. Oh, that's right. That's right. I keep forgetting uh, that. Maybe it'll be number 13 in the next. Because you know what? Collectors would go nuts to get a Hector oh. Ramirez. Because if you're in our generation, then you know... That he wasn't just the Joe character. No. He was on the other Hasbro cartoons. He was on Gem. He was um, in Mask. and uh, Not Mask. Um, um, Inhumanoids. What? Hector Ramirez makes a brief of all the Sunbow uh, properties from that era. He was in uh, Gem, and I believe he's, in, he's mentioned in an episode of Inhumanoids. Huh. What the fuck? That's random. And why uh, <laughs> the hell has Hasbro not brought the Inhumanoids back as part of their uh, brands we own and we're relaunching? Because I would is just any, kill for is good anybody Is anybody sure that they still own them, though? No. Yeah. Um, because no. otherwise, they probably would. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, 
I, I don't think, uh, um, I, you know, um, if, uh, now if he was, if he was, or, or even if he was just in, in another, uh, you know what, he would be great as a convention extra in one of those two packs or three packs that they do. Yeah. Um, I hate those because they're so goddamn expensive and you can never get them. Yeah, no kidding. Because when and those I bought, are the, always the ones that I want. Yeah, because yeah, when, when when they did um, when they did the South American Joes, uh, God, what was that? Five or six years ago now, um, they did all the Argentina Joes. I um, I think there was a three pack of those with uh, I think it was I can't remember who was in the three pack. The Trigger was, and Lightning were a two pack. Um, oh, I bought the shit out of those too. See, you know what? I All still the criticism want that, that I give figure. to Tiger Force, I make complete nerd for Python Patrol. Just as fuck ugly. Just as fuck ugly. But somehow, the snake pattern, I don't fucking know. I can't explain it. Giant walking contradiction. Because I have all of them. You know the one figure from the 50th anniversary that I was pining for the absolute most? Was that ridiculous Python Patrol Crocmaster? Simply because they teased us in 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 the Pursuit of Cobra line, and it never came out. Yeah. And so when the when the anniversary version came out, I'm like, they finally fucking did it because cherry flavoring. See, I have uh, a. Yeah. I still want to get it because I still want to do a custom with that figure. I've got a, a couple of the Schleck roosters, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to do. It's going to be a cockmaster. So it's it's going to be uh, this guy that was poaching on illegally on uh, Cobra Commander's cock farm. <laughs> Tell me is run by a Cobra a Cobra uh, uh, an officer by the name of Colonel Sanders. I don't care how. <laughs> that's beautiful. I love it. Oh, that's oh, that. But is yeah, so I've I've got like a, a junkyard leash on one of them. <laughs> And it's, oh god, that's hilarious! I just I've, I've got the head sculpted somewhere with the the waddle and all of it. I just I I don't know where the head is oh. right now, but yeah, it's a uh, it's cockmaster is the. I, I'm just picturing so like you've got Wolf Squad and they're sneaking through this perimeter. They cut the wire on the edge. You know they're they're crawling through the underbrush. Falcon gets up. He break. He pulls apart the tall grass to look under the compound. And what does he hear? And there's this rooster, like right there, staring at it. Yeah, you know, mutant rooster. God, that's hilarious. Well, and then yeah, I, I found my. Yeah, I've got the rooster right here. He's got the got the leash that uh, it wasn't junkyard. It, what's the uh, cobra guy that came with the oh, night adder? Night, night adder. Thank with you. All the tattoos. Yeah. Yes. Night Adder, the leash that was on the dog that came with the Night Adder. So it's, you know, the big spiked collar with the chain. Um, the, uh, uh, well, and then somewhere after they find this, this small group of attack chickens. <laughs> farther back in the shed, they have a locked room where they have a venomized version. Oh, sweet. It's a hybrid between the cock and the man, oh and my God. it's the lost V-Trooper. Oh, man. Um, 
Did, did um, you guys ever read the Deadpool comic run that Joe Kelly did for Marvel a number of years ago? No. Fuck no, but I need to, because I'm a Deadpool nerd. Oh, so. there, there, there is this issue with all these zombies, and so Deadpool finally gets, he, he's grabbed by zombies, he's dragged before the villain, and, it you know, this guy's been in a robe the whole time, and he's like, behold, the power of, and he pulls off his robe, and he's like, the Black Talon. He is a dude in a chicken costume. <laughs> because it's his Loa, his voodoo Loa, and the whole next page is a series of like 16 panels of Deadpool. It's, it's, it's Black Talon and these two zombies standing there. And you see Deadpool, and he just looks at him for a minute, and he just busts out laughing and falls on the ground. And he's, <laughs> he's out of frame for whole pages, and he's just, I mean, for whole panels, he's just laughing. And finally, one of the zombies starts to crack up, and Black Talon turns, and he goes, not a peep out of you. And out of the floor, you hear, chicken said peep! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it is the greatest Deadpool page ever written in the history of Deadpool. It's absolutely funny. brilliant. Um, well, um, speaking of Deadpool, Brian, talk about your little squad of realistic military Marvel characters. Oh, yeah. Um, so I found this um, picture on, uh, somebody posted it on one of the Marvel boards of, um, it's Captain America, Logan, uh, Wade Wilson, and uh, Frank Castle in realistic military gear. Oh. Yeah. Um, hang on, I have it, I have, I think I have it on my desktop. Hang on just a second, let me see if I've got it here. Um, and I can share it. Yep, I do. Let me, hang on a sec. I may cry tears of joy in this. I, uh, I'm not going to lie. Okay, hang on a sec. I am going to send it to you guys. Coming, coming, coming. There it is. Sold. I Sold. have uh, the Captain America, the Wade Wilson, the Logan completed. I've added Hawkeye, and I've oh, added nice. uh, Sam Wilson as a pararescue, and I've got the head for Frank Castle. I just haven't found, um, I need a torso. that I'm hoping to get the Frank Castle built tomorrow. Nice. But I, I, I have... Look at the Amongst the 19 other customs that he's working on. <laughs> yeah, except except for this project, I only need one more figure to have this like set done. All the uh, Five of these guys are completely finished. I haven't posted them anywhere yet, because I'm waiting <coughs> to get the, the set done. Yeah. Well, because uh, well, Brian said that he needed uh, ideas for the last uh, couple, and, and I suggested shoot. Do one of the Navy SEALs in uh, the Navy's Class A uniform, but like he said, there's no parts for it. Um, without doing a massive amount of sculpting, there's no there's no modern parts that that would really work. Not not for a realistic. I mean, there's parts I think that you could kind of fake it, but if he's going to do a bunch of realistic SEALs, it'd have to be a realistic Class A uniform. 
Yeah. And all I need to do is the eyes on number 14, and he's done. Man. Yeah, so I got one more figure for my 15, to get my 15 done, and then I, I've got the uh, inside box art complete for it. I have that. Let me find that, and I'll send that to you. And, and I have a question for you guys who do so much customizing. So what do you guys think? I know it's not Joe, but what do you guys think of the Marauder Task Force stuff? I don't, well, I love have, any of I don't have any of it, simply because it's a rabbit hole that I can't afford to go down. Yeah. <laughs> um, simply because I, I started, I, I looked at some of the kits they have, because, you know, they have the $30 kit that comes with the figure, you know, all the heads, and all the pouches and straps and, oh, yeah. and, you know, all the gear that comes with it in that color. And I love them. But I don't know which one to even start with. Because yeah. I thought, well, maybe I could buy one and then every couple of months buy another one. Or buy the base bodies and some of the pouches. But I don't know where to start because they're amazing. And they... I mean, they literally have figures for every environment possible. Now they've oh, got, yeah. now they've got the girls coming out too. Same way, you know, they've got, they've got them in all the different, all the matching color schemes. So oh, you can have fantastic. these. But I don't know where to start with them, and I haven't bought any simply because, as much as I want to support it, um, I can't, um, and I will at some point, but I just don't know where to start because I thought, well, urban. But then I thought, no, but then, you know, I want the, you know, then I want the desert guys, too. And uh, I love the orange hazmat guys. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, you know what? I like that they did it so you can literally, you can make characters fit into any verse. Like, yeah. they've got the green guys that you can buy the yellow gear for and make them Hydra soldiers. And then, yep. um, you know, you've got the... You've got the the all black tactical uh, uniform that you could use for any any property, and then and it's cool because they don't just do a desert camo. They've got like desert ops and like terra ops. Um, so you know you've got different you got the different environments. You got the green camouflage. You've got uh, the multi camouflage. It's amazing what they do with the same parts in different colors and yeah. Brian can get behind those repaints. Yes, definitely. Well, and then on top of it, like with the females, cause uh, I actually, I wasn't able to kick sport the kick, the Kickstarter the first time, but the, the female one I did. And so John sends you like the full camo female body, but then he sends you bonus t-shirt torso and arms. Nice. Oh, that all you have I to do is was... pop it off at the waist pop this on and now you've got a more, you know, a little bit warmer weather, not so full on BDU look. Um, cause I think it was, it was Sam, Sam Sears. I think he posted today the picture. Of, maybe it was Sam. Maybe yeah. The bomb else. strike. Yeah. yeah. Oh uh, my God. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Because it's funny because <clears throat> bomb strike was one of the characters the club did that I really liked that custom. But then I see the Marauder one, I'm like, fuck, I like it less now. <laughs> um, and see, I'm a big fan of that Stahl family thing that they put oh, into yeah. the 
into the new sculpt era, and I was I was happy to get updates of Blackout and Barrel Roll in the first subscription service. Yeah. But then I got Bomb Strike, who's a much better figure, and it really made me wish that Barrel Roll and Blackout had been done in either that same wave yes. or just one of the later subscriptions. And I have to think they would have been done a little better. That's why I redid did, both of those yeah. figures. Well, what they did wasn't bad, but it wasn't what they could have been, I guess. Because the Blackout figure they made worked for what it was supposed to do, but the proportions were a little bit strange. And they borrowed that head from, yeah, uh, from they the O-ring, and it was more yeah, cartoony. They, yeah. They, yeah, the doofy head for Blackout was translated. And then the barrel roll head, which was borderline too small yeah. on the new sculpt, the, the version they did for that direct-to-consumer line. Yeah. And it's just so weird because <clears throat> it's like their update was kind of a tribute to the DTC barrel roll, but then it really wasn't because you look at them next to each other and you're like, they don't match at all. Not even the color schemes aren't even close. It's it's odd. And then, because I remember when barrel roll was first revealed when they when they put the first picture up i want to say i think it was either chad or matt that that did a photoshop of that barrel roll figure in the blue and gray from the very first barrel roll and i'm like huh i don't see i liked the desert sniper version of barrel roll they did in the dtc line um but it was like the club's update kind of but not really it didn't accomplish what it needed to accomplish. And then Bomb Strike comes along and does exactly what it needs to do. And it, yeah, in turn, it sort of made her brothers look worse because at the very least, yeah, they should have gotten new head sculpts. Um, so my first thought uh, a few months ago when I first looked into getting the Marauder Task Force stuff was, um, get the body that's black with the gray highlights and then paint the silver over it and I could have my ideal uh, blackout and then uh, get one of the Desert Ops ones and make it into barrel roll and then I'd have two figures that would actually go nicely with the bomb strike figure. Yeah, exactly. And, and then um, and then now today I see Marauder's approximation of Bomb Strike, I'm like, well, fuck. Um, I'm like, I really just don't. Ah, now I'm now now I'm sort of frustrated with it. Um, yeah, I love that that storyline they came up with, and I I I don't read the current um, Larry Hama book. I, I tend to wait until they're in trades. Yeah, and I'm a few volumes behind, but. In the most recent issue, did I see Bomb Strike on the cover? Yeah. So Larry Hama has written the Stall siblings into that, into his continuation series, but only Bomb Strike. There's been no in his series. There's no Barrel Roll and there's no Blackout. Which okay. to me, you need to set them up first. 
Or maybe I'm, well, I'm or I'm trying to think. Is am I mistaken? Did he has he not included barrel roll? Because I don't seem to remember him. Well, well, maybe he will at some point. I mean, has he used, or has he just has Larry just come up with his own storyline that happened in the bomb strike? Because. I mean, even if he doesn't go with the kidnapped sibling and all that, yeah, maybe he is planning to use. Well, actually, planning is a bad word because, like Larry says, he starts an issue and doesn't know what's going to happen on page two until he has page one written. Yeah, so maybe he, yeah, maybe planning to use railroad blackouts the wrong phrase. Maybe in the back of his mind, he's decided at some point he might use them. Um, but, I mean, it's cool that they integrated her. Um, I, that series, that follow-up series is interesting because it's like they've updated the technology that Joe's use, but everything else is 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 written to match what what he was originally doing. And, yeah. like, he's found an amazing balance between new adventures with the old characters and... And, and and at the same time, really mixed it up where all the issues have different characters that didn't always get a lot of use. Like, yeah, long um, range. Yeah. Um, and then, um, wait, long range? You mean the, the Thunderclap driver? Yeah, long range oh. was in that story, that sniper story, which is really good. Oh, that's awesome, because I don't think Long Range ever showed up in the original series, did he? Nope. Uh, I think maybe just briefly, but not not for long. Then it would have been kind of like how he did a lot of the drivers, where he'd bring yeah. them in, but but like they'd get a showcase issue, and then they'd sort of fall by the wayside. Not Larry's fault, it's just there were so many damn characters to balance. Um, but I, um, I recently... The last time I tried to read that comic issue by issue, see, I never get to the comic shop, so I can't keep up with monthly books. Um, and the last, the last run of it that I was trying to read issue by issue was the one where Airtight and Dusty um, get captured in uh, in benzene, and um, and the recon team of well, basically. Most of the camouflage guys, uh, Ripcord, Leatherneck, Falcon, uh, fuck, and then Spirit in his baby blue shirt and his khaki pants. Um, <laughs> they go in the desert to, to rescue uh, Dusty and Airtight, who managed to rescue themselves in the process. Yes. What a dynamite storyline. Yeah. I'm like, all the magic from, I mean, I. I'm not a guy that thinks that Larry's Joe run was necessarily flawless because there were storylines that, you know, that I was that I wasn't crazy about. But the essence of it, yeah, is 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 amazing, and it's like this new story that he's writing recaptures that magic completely. It's it's not like where an author will come back to a series later and you feel like you're reading two different series. No, it's like yeah. he's found the perfect balance here that literally makes it feel like there was not a 15 year gap in between, you know, series one and series two. It's, it's, 
It's phenomenal. And how well, many issues are they into it now? Oh, I mean, it's geez. well up into the 200s now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they are. Um, so aren't they canceled? Didn't they cancel that? No. Did they start he, a new one? His is the only... Uh, uh, they canceled all the IDW-verse books and relaunched it with um, Aubrey Sitterson's book now. But Larry's book is kind of in its own little bubble. It's not part of Revolution. No, nope, so it's it's it its own exists. continuity. Yep, it's completely independent, and because the audience for it is so dedicated, it's not yeah. going anywhere. Um, I really think that it would honestly take something tragic happening to Larry for them to cancel it, simply because yeah. it's like. While a lot of fandoms, nostalgia can't drive a lot of sales, it's like for that one book, yeah. the, the, the the brand loyalty is just, I don't know, it, it's like, it's, it's like, you know. It's not a top seller, but it's a consistent seller. Every, I mean, it's basically, it's selling to the Joe fans that have been around a long time, and yeah, it's I, continually selling to the same Joe fans. Yeah, I think I read that, that no matter what... Um, no matter what the sales on it are, like, it's not a comic that the sales go up and down. From what I understand, it sells the same number, or roughly the same number of books every month, and so they just keep it going simply because, yeah, it's not beholden to anything else that IDW is doing. It's like they they give Larry the canvas, and they say, well, go nuts, and... and it's 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 really awesome that it's not just cool that they gave him the book back, but it, it's almost like they did it simply because even they're aware that other writers can try their hand at Joe, yeah. but it's true. He's they call him the godfather of Joe, and they call him that simply because it is his thing. Hasbro created it and you know he they gave him like the code names but he literally took it from there and ran yeah i mean you think about like the baroness she's not a hasbro creation she's larry's creation well look at the the dreadnoughts the original dreadnoughts were supposed to be something along the lines fatal fluffy yeah and uh Um, larry turned them into these over-the-top punker bikers that we all know and love over the years. Yeah, because didn't they say, well, no, they're supposed to be kind of like, you know, Ewoks-looky things, and and he basically said, no. And then I remember (laughs) later on, they said, well, use Cobra Law, and he said, no. And that was it. (laughs) It was like, it it was like he'd decree that, no, not doing it. He'd go off, and and nobody would... I mean, there may have been shit that went behind the scenes, but but from the outside, just reading it, you'd think he must have just said no, and then they just said, eh, all right, do it. Um, about toy kind of, comics from that era, most of those toy comic books, you know, I remember reading this once, and they were saying, like, you'd get, like, two years out of them, maybe three you know, you know, at most you'd maybe see a series get close to, you know, close to 50 issues and it was done. Well, even the... Even and G.I. Joe went 155 
and had a spin-off book that went 26. Well, and then it wasn't because like even the even the the, the G1 Transformers book, it only went for like 80 issues, right? And I then don't even think it went that many, did it? Maybe it was like 70. Was, I know yeah. it, it was just it was a it, it was like 5 years worth of books. And then it took a it took a brief break and then they went to the generation 2 stuff. But I don't even think that lasted all that long. Although, they did the crossover with G.I. Joe um, and Larry Hama. I don't know. I don't know if it was his idea or Marvel's idea, but boy, he made that work swimmingly well. Yeah, it was better than it should have been. (laughs) Well, it's so weird because he took all the shit that was going on in the book already integrated the Transformers into it, somehow made the whole thing seem flawless, or, uh, or, I mean, he sort of stitched it all together, and, and then the Transform, and then the storyline ends, and then he just continues right off with what he was already doing. It was like, they had all the Ninja Force stuff going on, they had all the Transcarpathia stuff going on, and... <clears throat> they had they had stuff in Barovia or Sierra Gordo or I don't know one or the other, and those four issues they bring the Transformers in, and he he managed to keep the story going just like he was. He just added these extra tall robotic characters, and then just kept going with it. It was like that should have for I don't know if it was Larry's talent or what, but for any other book you'd think that it would have. Like, such a drastic storyline would have sort of ceased the momentum or whatever. Yeah. But, no, no, it was just one more thing he integrated. Um, well, it's kind of like the uh, in, in the letters column of one of the recent issues. He talked about the giant eyeball thing, you know, that was in, in, in his continuation comic, that giant eyeball under the desert kind of thing. Oh, that's the same thing where he sort of brought Serpentor back briefly. Right, that was originally supposed to be for a Transformers crossover that then was nixed. (laughs) And he was like, well, I set it up, and then they said no, so then he turned it into this giant robot computer. (laughs) Let's throw Serpentor in. And I'm like, damn it, Larry, Like that's amazing that you're able to recover so quickly. That should have been complete shit, and it wasn't. Um, it's it's just so. It's like the way. I don't know. That's why it's so funny to me that they say Cobra Law. He says no because you think if if he had decided to to do Cobra Law, it would have been the same thing. He'd have all right. This storyline I've got going. Let me throw these weird, creepy bug people thing in here for a little bit and then I'll just go you know and, and then it would have ended and he would have just gone about with the comic just the way yeah. he was already going and I'm like he might be the one writer that could have gotten in to work because see for me in my in my view if you're if you're in our age group either you like Cobra Law you don't like Cobra Law. Or, see, I'm not I'm not a Cobra Law fan. I love the movie. Um, uh, <laughs> a couple episodes ago, we talked about that movie came on TV, and one morning, and uh, 
Like it, like it started. My dad moved faster than I've ever seen. The guy was an army officer, but I swear to God, he was running for like a PT test. He ran <laughs> and he grabbed a videotape, popped it in the VCR, recorded this thing for me, and nice. I watched the shit out of it. So many times. In fact, I even made a joke to my mother the other day. Mom, I think I watched it so many times you could have quoted it. And she's like, yes, yes, I could have. <clears throat> yeah. Awesome. So I remember but, you sent me a copy in when I was in Afghanistan. I did send you that, didn't I? Yes, you did. You're, I think you said that you'd never seen it before. No, um, I hadn't seen it for a long time. Oh, that's right. That's right. It, it had been a long time. So, yeah, that, that's right. I think I went and I bought an extra DVD and I sent it to you. Yep. Um, I still have it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's <clears throat> it's funny because even though I'm not a Cobra Law fan, it, the, the movie just worked in this weird, strange area. I don't know. My, the highlight for it, though, see, I liked I mean, they called them the Rawhides, but when they introduce those new Joes, yeah. even even then, even, I think I was seven when that movie came out, and even then I was watching it saying, whoa, how come out back and Pastor all weren't there? <laughs> um, I just, that that was my whole thing was, I'm like, well, you used half of them, and, you know, you, you, you sort of left, but, um, but to balance it out, they introduced the Renegades, which is, honest yeah. to God, one of my favorite um, factions. I mean, yeah, they're not really a faction. They're sort of a niche corner of G.I. Joe where it's like, oh, Sergeant Slaughter's got his own little group of, well, misfits, I guess. They're um, the expendable ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you know what? You're right. They're, they're sort of, yeah, you know what? They'd fit right in with Sylvester Stallone's crew there, um, and uh, but it's it, it it worked, like it worked beautifully, um, and I was kind of hoping that at some point Larry Hama would bring them into the comic, but he didn't. <laughs> For whatever reason, the Renegades don't get a lot of love, and it it has always floored me because you have the perfect opportunity with these guys that are sort of affiliated with G.I. Joe, but they're not part of G.I. Joe. And, I mean, all their backstories, if you, you know, just reading the, you know, the the ex-Viper is actually, if you think about it, the least interesting of the three backstories. And he's still darn interesting. Um, well, I, I think, because when I was a kid... Uh, Mercer was one for me, and then I liked Red Dog, and it was a long time before I was sort of able to make heads or tails of Taurus, because oh, I love Taurus. when, well, see, when I was playing with him as a kid, um, Taurus was always there simply because he was one of the, the trio, but yeah. yeah, he was the one that I couldn't, couldn't really quite figure out. What, what to do with needed them. to be done with him. Um, but then, uh, as I got a little older, he came into his own in my brain, and I decided that he was just as interesting as they were. I mean, I know in this file card, he's like an Interpol agent that sort of went rogue. And then in, in the in the cartoon, he's a circus. He's kind he's of a, a he, moron. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a circus performer. <laughs> 
that doesn't have all the bats in the belfry or whatever the hell Sergeant Slaughter said. Um, but, um, like, he just, yeah, he was weird for me when I was a kid, but you loved him then. Oh, yeah. Um, like, he speaks, like, how many languages, all those stuff. I'm like, this dude's got some meat to his to him a little bit for story-wise. Doesn't his file card say that he can open beer bottles with his nostril or something? Uh, I think so. Ah, uh, that's strange. He, no, um, he, he, he's the strong man. He can, like, break boards with his head. He's just, like, I don't know, he's just an odd guy. But he, he's so weird that he works. Well, and he carried a scimitar. Hells. Yes. That is just amazing. I mean, how many people in the world can properly wield a scimitar? <laughs> I mean, there's him and there's that guy from the Indiana Jones movie that got shot. Um, so, um, you know, but it's, 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 uh, oh, God, I love those characters. Um, back on our first episode, <laughs> very first episode of this podcast a few months ago, we had my buddy Chad on, and, and, uh, he was, um, and I, I don't know. For some reason, we, we they came up in the conversation, and, and I did my impression of their dialogue, and he was like, huh, that's kind of eerie. Um, but <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, in fact, all day today, I don't know why. I'm driving, and all of a sudden, Mercer's lines pop into my head. This stinking swamp. Big bad campers need air conditioning. And I'm like, oh, I know why. <laughs> fucking cold out here uh, um it's 20 fucking degrees here um it's ridiculous um uh, yeah walk outside and literally get frostbite on the way to the car what the fuck man um but yeah well you know about it you're you you're you're in illinois so oh, it's not yeah. like uh it's not like you guys have mild winters not like the arkansas winters that mike i'm sure gets to it <laughs> They're actually, I was just looking at the forecast a little while ago, they're calling for, like, a snow disturbance on Saturday, and then, like, the next day be, like, 70 degrees. I hate what you. What in the hell is a snow disturbance? Yeah, I was going to say, is that, like, a disturbance in the force? What force, the hell? yeah. <laughs> Pretty much what it amounts to. I mean, it's like today, I mean, I mean, I get up to go to work around, uh, you know, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and... I mean, this morning I was wearing shorts. Our high I mean, Sunday is going to be 11. Not, oh, don't not, be, not the cold. I would, I'm not even factoring in wind chill. That's yeah. the high. That's like 4 o'clock. Oh, we're having a heat wave. 11. <laughs> I would love to have some of y'all's winters, you know, the snow at least for a couple of days. I mean, Fuck see, you. I'll send it to you all of it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you can you can have you, you can have the uh, you can have the polar vortex temperatures too. Yeah, when I was um, living up in the mountains, we had uh, a winter <laughs> where it was more than a month and it didn't get above free uh, above zero. Yeah, hmm. uh, I remember last year, or the year before, Brian texted me one day. He's like, "It's too cold for even to, for for the dogs to even go outside and use the bathroom." Um, um, I'm like, that's just, yeah, oh uh, yeah, all you people, all you people that, that don't live in snow climb, you're like, uh uh-huh, winter's awesome. You don't have to drive in it every day. Um, man, that's there's shit. a shit. There's a picture I post on Facebook every year, because I'm in the bread business, I deliver bread, so usually when they mention snow, people just go crazy down yep. here, and it's like bread, a damn dusting. Eggs. 
Huh? Bread, milk, and eggs. That's right. The lights is what I always say. And, um, oh, and, and, and the batteries. And the batteries. Yeah. As if, as if the snow is going to start falling and all of a sudden you're going to have no electricity for a week. Uh, uh, yeah, that happens. That's how it works. <laughs> um, well, it isn't like, because um, there's, not like, I, 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 you, we used to live in Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., and we didn't get a lot of snow, but man, when it did snow, holy shit, life in the Beltway just ceased. It was like, there was one day, it was cold, you know, probably in the high 20s. It was like, it was like a, it was like a... Uh, it was like an, an anomaly uh, for the winter there. It was like, yeah, it was like in the high 20s, and there was like four inches of snow or something, and school was canceled. Buses didn't run. There were, there were um, you know, traffic on the Beltway. Uh, well, okay, traffic in Northern Virginia at, 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 the, at the slow times of the day is a nightmare. During rush hour, it's a parking lot. Um, there's no, there is no forward movement. If you're going to see a movie, um, and you have to take the throughway between like Vienna and Springfield and it's in the afternoon, if that movie plays at four o'clock, leave your house at two just in case. Um, because even then you might still be running late if the rush hour traffic has started. Um, but I remember it would snow and it'd be like four inches and, and yeah, it was like people would lose their minds. Yeah. You go to the store. Like I was working a blockbuster at the time. People were coming in and renting everything as if they were going to be stuck in the house and, and they were going to have to have something to do. There was shit that never got rented that people would come in and get during the, I'm like, what the hell? Like it's just snow. You know, I mean, but, ah, you know, some people in the winter just sort of lose their minds. And then you got places like New England that I swear to God, I think they always have snow. Um, <laughs> um, seems like I look at the, uh, you know, I look at the forecast and they're like, no, New England's bracing for apocalyptic winter. I'm like, what? They were doing that last week, too, weren't they? I mean, um, um, the, uh, well, and it's funny because. Now, I live in western New York. Canada is literally five minutes that way. Um, but you go a couple of cities over or like a county over. Now, we're right, we're right in between uh, two of the Great Lakes. And, but where we are gets the winter weather, but not like they do just a county or two away where, where it, it, we, we get a few inches of snow here and it'll be cold. And then you go um, – you go out to, um, you know, you go out to one of the outlying cities, and they have a few. You know, they'll get a foot of snow if we get three inches here. It's odd, but man, the worst thing about winter is the driving, or the uncertainty about is it going to be safe to drive? Because for one, driving in the winter is a little scary uh, because icy roads, honestly, are terrifying. Because you never know. Um, but the worst thing is, if you're not worried about the roads, you're worried about the people on the roads because it's like, yep. hey, winter, slow down, you morons. 
See, um, and I live in Colorado, and all of the Texans and Californians have moved to Colorado, and none of those people have ever seen snow before, so they freak the fuck out every time it snows here. Um, do they forget how to drive all together yes. and act like they're all student drivers? Yep. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I, will, I will never want for a job during winter, that's for sure. Yeah, because Brian's a medic, so they get called to some shit. Oh, and, yeah. and 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 I mean, I, I remember he texted me one day. Or no, he called me, and he's like, he's like, as soon as I got to work, they called us for 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 like a three car rollover or something. I'm like, what the fuck, man? I'm like, is it is it winter driving? You're like, yeah. Apparently, somebody decided not to use their brakes or something. I'm like, well, they you. Everybody behind them used the brakes after that. Um, and then, well, it's funny because his wife says that they have dinner time conversations about people being ripped in half by their cars. Um, but, um, yeah, I asked her, I'm like, isn't that kind of gross? She's like, yeah, used to it. Um, um, people being impaled by telephone poles and shit. Um, but, um, the, uh, yeah, it's like winter is just the worst. So I'm like, so I'm like, now, now you, wait, Mike, what'd you say? It's called a winter, what? What was the word you used? Um, for, force, or what was it? Or a, a um, winter disturbance. Winter disturbance, service, yeah. I would love to have a winter disturbance here, because <laughs> that would mean... disturbance in the winter. Exactly. That would mean that, that I, might, I might just be able to see when I drive. A couple of years ago at work, there, there was a... There was a blizzard, there were blizzard-like conditions predicted. Now, in, in, in sort of mid-morning, it did. It started to snow. And then it kept snowing. And then it kept snowing. And at noon, I don't know if it was noon, or about 1 o'clock, um, I was on Facebook, and, and, and I saw that, um, that the mall here was closing for business, so that they could send the employees home, and oh yeah, nobody was shopping anyways because why the hell would you go to the mall when it's snowing that much? And then at work they said, well, it was about an hour later, we find out that the island that we have to go across to get home um, is you know because they got they got the two bridges, and they if it kept snowing, they said they were gonna. They, they might have to shut down the bridges. We're like, oh, my God, we're going to be stuck at work. We're not going to be able to get home. So, but like an hour or two later, it was like it was like an hour before we were scheduled to go home. They're like, well, it's not that busy. Everybody can go home if they want to. We're like, oh, thank you. So, we're driving. There is no visibility. None. Um, I could see the hood of the van. And that was as far as it got. There was no road. There were no curbs because it was nothing but a whiteout. And 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 so we're driving, and you expect at any point that because you can't see in front of you, you're actually gonna run into the thirty car pileup that's right there that you simply can't see. And it's going to be like one of those comical things where you'd see in a cartoon where car, 
car, car, crunch, crunch, crunch. Oh. And, and then we finally, finally get to, um, get to, uh, their grandparents' house so we can pick up the kids. And, and it was sort of like, you know what? Could just stay here. Probably not safe to go all the way home. <laughs> and, and then, and then there, there, there were, there were so many complaints that, the next year for the winter, they said, well, if it's real bad, you can call in and take no pay, and nobody will bother you about it. I'm like, oh, my God, how many complaints did they get? Wow. Jeez. I'm like, that's a hell of a policy shift where it's sort of like, well, you know, because that year was like, oh, or that the year of the blizzard. That blizzard was ridiculous. It was like, it was like for two days. Uh, I mean, for that entire day, there was no visibility. The next day, well, the blizzard stopped, but there's so much snow that, well, don't leave the house. You're you're, you're stupid <laughs> if you do. Um, and then, and then, but they, yeah, they're all like every day. It's like, mm, but you're going to be at work, right? And then following that, ever since then, like the two years since, yeah, it's real bad, and you're, and you know, your car's stuck in the snow or something. Yep, you can call in. And what they year might was not that, JD? Work crew, but they're not questioning. I'm like, wow. I'm like that. Hey, JD, what year was that? Um, that year was, I think it was 2013. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, you know where I was for that blizzard? Where? Africa. Oh, that's right. You were in like uh, uh, Sierra Madre or something, Sierra right? Leone. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, no, I was I probably sense. in Chad in 2013. It is nice and dry and warm this time of year in Africa. I would say there was no winter or rain, right? Not that. Not this time of the year. It's the dry season right now. Here, I just found the post. I was trying to find it while we were talking. It was saying, here's what they're saying. is well, major severe weather outbreaks, strong thunderstorms, with all mo- mods, uh, severe weather, hail, winds, tornado, cannot be ruled out this time. So what's going to happen is, is that they're calling for a winter mix. Then uh. there's rain, winter mix, then snow right after it. Oh, uh, sleet! That sounds like uh, yeah. So we got rain, winter mix, snow. Crap. Um, yeah, from that's not that's starting this. The 17th, which I think is like Friday going into Saturday. So that is starting at 9 p.m. going through till midnight. They're calling for all that. You that know what? Like fun. Since there's a chance that Arkansas might get that bad weather, I'm going to have to call in to work. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, we don't know when that Arkansas weather is going to end up here. Stay there home. Be some and they, uh, um, there was a one-year... Uh, South or North Dakota, one year, one side of the state was getting snow, and the other side of the state had tornado in it with rain. Um, I think that was uh, last year or year before last. And I'll tell you, I lived in Oklahoma for a couple years because uh, when you join the Army, sometimes you piss somebody off and you end up in Oklahoma. Um, (laughs) I mean, I can't complain too much because my daughter was born there, but fuck, that's the only use for Oklahoma there ever was. Um, but got so bored, had a kid. Um, yeah, basically. Um, but you know, it was bad because 
the winters, there was snow, but it was less snow and more just a threat of, it was a constant threat of, like, ice storms where, mm-hmm. like, you'd get, like, you'd, you'd get freezing rain dumped on you, and in an hour or so, there could easily be um, inch-thick ice everywhere. Um, so, even if you got snow, it was, it, it was, it was a, um, it was a minor inconvenience compared to the, um, the icy sheetrock that was going to be, uh, you know, all over. So, but then in the summertime, it's a constant threat of tornadoes. You never know. It would start to rain. You'd think it's a sun shower. And then you find out that two miles that way, right outside the town, there were, there were, there were micro twisters and shit that were, that were setting down. I'm like, Oh my God. So yeah, in the winter you get ice in the summer, you get, uh, tornadoes, uh, spring. That's the calm time when it just thunderstorms for a few days. You're like, wow, paradise. <laughs> All right. Jenny, um, we're but, coming up on almost three hours here. Ah, damn it. You always cut us off for three hours. Damn it. <laughs> um, you have no intestinal fortitude, sir. Um, oh. um, um, oh, yeah, I know. Decent bedtime things to do. I know. I understand. Yeah. Stop being an adult, damn it. Um, I'm working on but, it. What? I'm working on that. Not doing too well. Um, yeah, well. All right. Well, <clears throat> Mike, Fred, thank you for joining us. Definitely. Thanks on, for coming on. Um, hey, thanks for having us, guys. Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think they had started their live broadcast the other day. And I, I, I put a comment um, where Mike had mentioned it, and I said, hey, want to have your first crossover episode and guest with us on General Geekery? <laughs> and then a few days later, hey, here you are. Um, yeah, uh, actually, yeah. I, I was messaging you back and forth while we were doing the show. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I didn't get to watch the live broadcast. I watched it later that night, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, so, I mean, um, so, I mean, I was just happy that, that, you know, you were available and that you could get Fred in on it because I wouldn't have been at all surprised if you're like, I got shit to do, you know, or we just recorded <laughs> one and, you know, whatever. So, no, yeah, sincere thanks for coming on. Totally. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I got to ask you guys to come back at some point. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, happy to do so. Yeah. Um, hey, hey next time we can... Here, What's up? I was wanting to tell you, I just got a message back. I wanted to let you know, let uh, Fred know, too, that um, have y'all heard of Fresh Monkey Fiction? It sounds yes. familiar. Oh, yeah. They, they're the, they do the, they're the, the one doing business. the Kickstarter. Yeah. Right, they're doing the Kickstarter for Larry Hamafiger. Ah. Oh, they are, uh, um, they're doing a, oh, a Larry Hamafiger. The one is a Kickstarter? Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, they... Uh, He's going to find out for sure, but they're agreeing to do a guest spot on our podcast in January. Ooh, nice. Interesting. Um, um, yep. Oh, nice. Um, damn it. I want to have Larry Hama on this show, damn it. Um, yeah, no kidding. But, well, yeah, because I think it was our, uh, we had an episode a couple months ago uh, while the Eagle Force Returns Kickstarter was, was active where we had Bill on, and, uh, and we got all kinds of insight. And did the behind-the-scenes stuff for Eagle Force. I mean, I supported that Kickstarter. I can't wait to see those figures. Um, 
Um, but yeah, I saw a picture from some convention about a card in Larry Hama figure that they were going to be doing. I want one of those. Is the Kickstarter still going? Oh, it hasn't yeah, started yet. Oh, it hasn't started yet. So it's the, oh. Yeah, so it's the start of January, but from his message, it sounds like it might get pushed back a little bit. No, that's all right. I'm supporting the hell out of that because, um, I mean, I do have one Larry Hama action figure. It's Tunnel Rat, but come on, man. That's not that's not as authentic as it could be. Um, it doesn't have Kung Fu grip. Um, but, but yeah, guys, thanks again for being on General Geekery. And you guys are welcome back anytime. I mean, yeah, oh, thank you. We've got to do a Transformer show sometime. Yes, definitely. We'll definitely do that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you guys to plug your stuff before you Yeah, go. I almost forgot, yeah, give a, throw out websites, um, link, uh, well not, we'll, we'll post links when we post the show, but, uh, yeah, like pimp it. your shit, guys. Uh, yeah, right. you can, go ahead, Fred. Might I was going to say, um, my stuff's pretty easy to find, it's yeah. just pretty much everywhere, if you look for Joe Battle Lines. Uh, com. there's an Instagram account and then there's the, uh, the Facebook page as well I think we're on Twitter too I'll have to sign and up then, for the Facebook page and then me you can find me on uh, YouTube as uh, my subscriber channel is uh, Autobot City Toys T-O-Y-Z and then you can find me exclusively on Twitter as well as uh, BlackConFan 1978 and then you can also find me on uh, Cybercast and Galactic Gumbo Podcast live every other Saturday night. Galactic On the G1 Gumbo. Hex truck. God, God, I love the title of that podcast. Yeah, um, we, like, I want to check it out just because of the title. <laughs> uh, yeah. We have some pretty decent conversations on there. We'll get on there. We'll, we never shut up. Um, yeah, much like this show. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But all right, folks. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, and, and thanks will, for listening. Uh, and uh, for once, we actually have our next show planned out. Yeah, ain't that some shit? Yeah, that's a. Um. I think that's a first for us. We're, um, um, we're gonna have one of our old uh, customizing buddies, uh, Doug. Um, God, his last name. Doug Brown's gonna be on uh, Duremo. Yeah, aka Duremo, and. Uh, who does and, uh, yeah, he's a good friend of mine going way back. He's uh, customized. Uh, he, he was here for one of those Canadian Joe Cons uh, about five years ago, so I, I can't wait to get him on the show. Um, but we will uh, yeah, yeah we'll be back next week, and then, and then uh, hey, we'll go back to having no plan at all. So. Exactly. And in one of these days, we'll have our uh, new regular host on <laughs> regularly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, funny story. Last episode, we announced him as the co-host, but he had forgotten that we were recording. And then tonight, he just couldn't make it. So we're like, well, I guess he's our sometimes co-host. <laughs> he's like, a, he, he's going to be a recurring character, I guess. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, catch our show next time.